Radio Shouty. Shouty. Digital. Q. Ay, cut up the station. It's about that time for Fila. Most likely he a small fry. If he was stamped by Beehive, it's one in one station only. They got the streets on fire. So please do not touch the dial. Cut with Fina, go live. What's happening, what's happening, what's happening? Of course you know it's your boy Beehive Radio Shouty And stepping in the building, I got a hip-hop legend and icon off in this thing Benzino, what's good with it, bro? Appreciate both? you, man you know, I, I appreciate that, man But I'm just glad to be here with you, bro I mean, Benzino, you know, when you. it comes to your story And the things that you actually brought to the game, man yeah. I mean, standing up with the source Then doing your own music thing Then changing the uh, reality TV lane <laughs> at the same time, man. man Your journey has been off the damn chain Man. Can you take me back to day one where you caught the hip-hop bug and you realized that this was something that you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Well, first things I want to set straight, none of this would be possible if it wasn't for God, of course. Thanks. You know, not just to be cliche, but I have a major faith in the most high, you know what I'm saying? Yes, because sir. things just don't, great things don't happen, just happen, you know? Come on. You know, so, and second of all, man, I really want to congratulate you on everything you've done. Thank and you. Allowing me to come down here, give me a platform, yes, and even just the stuff you said, um, about the journey I, I really appreciate that because yeah. you know I've never been one to really bask in credit or bask you know I'm, you know I just I, I do things as it comes yeah and um just knowing that doors will open for all of us you just gotta be prepared to, you know to, to walk in the door and make the best out of any opportunity so I want to get that out the way I'm with you um you know but secondly uh hip-hop man been a part of my life um my, I'm, I'm from Boston, mm -hmm. but my, my but all my father's side of the family is from New York, which mm. is literally a two and a half, three hour drive, depending on how fast you drive, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. up 95. Um, and, you know, um, my grandfather had uh, owned a house in the Bronx, yeah, up there off of Fordham Road on a um, street named Cedar Avenue. And the significance of that was, it was three, like blocks down from Cedric Ave. And Cedric mm -hmm. Ave is, I mean, people could debate it, but it's where hip hop was, was started, where Cool Herc came out with the um, the block party, the big That's speakers, right. and started cutting on two turntables. And that was considered when hip hop started. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, my uncle, my grandfather had a son. He was older, so my uncle was maybe a year or two older than me. Mm. And and his room was in the basement. Mm. And I just, you know, it wasn't like a finished basement like out here in Atlanta. Yeah. One thing about Atlanta, they got some of the best basements Come you've on ever now. seen in life. You Move know theaters and everything yeah, yeah. else going down in there. Man, the basement, boy, yeah. it goes down underground <laughs> when it comes in. So, um, but basements up top are usually rocky, uh, you know what I'm saying, and cold, yeah. and you know, but I'll never forget that Eddie, you know what I'm saying, um, made his room amazing. It had like Bruce Lee posters. And, That's hard. Um, he had he had the CB radio, you know, uh -huh. back then it was CB radios. He was in that, you know, he, he was, you know, 10-4, um, you know, with the CB radio. I hear you. Um, my father at the time was locked up in the federal system, so I would mm. stay with my grandfather a lot. And um, um, uh, he, he had two turntables in his basement. Yeah. And uh, they were belt-driven Geminis. Mm. And, you know, at that point, the SP-1200s wasn't even invented. All the turntables were belt-driven. For people who don't know what that is, um, you know, on the turntables, it was either, you had a belt that actually made the table <laughs> spin. Yeah. So sometimes that belt 
maybe would have been a little off than the next turntable. Mm. Nothing was precise. It was only yeah. until the SP1200 made the spin and the BPMs precise Thanks. because it wasn't belt-driven. Yeah. But the good thing about belt-driven is that you could still scratch on it because it would pick up the actual record fast. So if yeah. you're scratching, it's not, it's bang and it goes right in. Yeah. So the belt-driven tables with, with, with the mixer, the crossfade mixer, yeah. and he taught me how to, how to, how to mix and, and scratch mm-hmm. on, uh, on, on a turntable. Yeah. And I remember he had a rap group called um, uh, Three the Hard Way. Mm. And he had the, 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 the yellow sweatshirt with the felt letters yeah. that, were, that you ironed on, um, you know, Three the Hard Way. And, um, you know, he was a major influence for me. You know, I want to thank him, thank Eddie and my grandfather, you know, passed away, RP to my Eddie, my, you know what I'm saying, grandpa. Because they was really a major influence with me mm-hmm. and, on hip hop. You know, being from Boston, we had no hip hop stations yeah. and we didn't really have a culture. You know, uh, it, it's really a predominantly Irish and Italian, their culture yeah. is really kind of pushed front forward where black Boston's culture, over the years they've been suppressing it. And part of, of course, black culture is hip hop, which now seems like it's superseding it. Nothing will supersede the race of a people, but as far yeah. as the influence it has on our children, hip hop is number one. Come on the now. influence it has on everything we do. Um, so. You know, I got into it heavy, and then I seen the movie Wild Style, mm. and that kind of like was like, man, I gotta, I gotta be involved with that. It did yeah. something to me. Yeah. You know, if, if anybody can go out there, I think that was 1979. I seen the movie, but it was a movie that really um, um, featured uh, rapping, breakdancing, the fashion, um, DJing, of course. I mean, the whole element, all the elements of hip hop in its early days. And this is this was when. Yeah, corporate America uh, wasn't too many kids outside of urban America that even knew about hip hop. You know mm. what I'm saying? It was, you know, hip hop was developed through struggle through, yeah. through our people in the hoods. You know, what was given to us. Yeah, kind of like you know how the slaves ate. You know, um, they was given all the bad parts exactly. of, the, of, of the animals, but they made them taste so good that now they're it's kind of soul they're, they're high priced men on the yeah. menu that everybody eats. Exactly. So that's just a testament to who we are as a race of people. Facts. You know that something like hip hop can be so powerful based off of. You, you know, back in the days, the break dancers used to come outside with actual tile, floor tile from the kitchen and do and their break spins dance, and break yeah. dance. So that just, that, that thought of it alone is telling you, you know, the, 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 the creativeness. And I think that's what, I think every culture has something they bring to the table, but I think what brings us is our creativeness. What, what we Facts. really bring is our, creative, our creativeness, and that's been transferred into entertainment. Yes, sir. And America's biggest export now seems to be entertainment. Come on. You know, to the world. Thanks. Benzino, can you take me to the source? Yeah. When you and Dave Mays crunked that thing up, did you feel like the source would wind up owning the pulse of hip-hop no. culture? No. And... What was that dream like in the beginning? Did you have a dream for it to even get that way, or well, I mean, was a it a new of, hustle? Listen, a lot of that. Well, look, I'm, you know, I'm from I'm from Roxbury, Dorchester section of of Massachusetts, yeah. and that's where you know drugs, guns. Of course, when the crack era came, it just you know came in and um, you know destroyed all our cities. It, it did it did a number on Boston. Yeah, you know Boston. You know, we went through the same things of of when we you know when 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 uh, Martin Luther King died and. You know, Malcolm died, we tore the city up. Yeah. Kind of like, Boston's like the, and I don't want to paint a bad picture of Boston because, you know, I love Boston. Yeah. But on a whole, Boston's like, was what 
the South was. Like racism in Boston was heavy. Okay. And I think hip hop has kind of bridged that. Yeah. I think that's what hip hop. The I think that's what is the most important thing that hip hop has ever done was bridge the gap between white and black people exactly. of all of all races. Come on. So you know, um, Dave Mays, my partner, yeah, for twenty something years, um, was a, a kid from D.C. Mm-hmm. predominantly black city, yeah. uh, Jewish 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 kid, mm-hmm. and he was going to Harvard. And um, you know, me being half Puerto Rican and half black in a predominantly white city, mm. you know, what I'm saying, um, you know, we of course we got together through God. Nothing is coincidence. Yes, sir. You know, um, he was. He was into hip hop, and I remember I had a group called the Almighty RSO. Yes, sir. And it was that's the group that we started. It was like a gangster rap group on the East Coast. It wasn't too much gangster rap back then, so we a lot of our influences was like West Coast NWA. And, yeah, you know we listened to a lot of Ghetto Boy, anything that was gangster. I, I listened to everything in New York. Don't don't get me <laughs> sh- wrong, but you know it, it was that how my lifestyle was. New York was pretty much talking about the streets, but not in a way of how LA and that NWA and the gangs and yeah. so that's that music really kind of influenced um the way I went musically that's right so we developed a group called RSO and um we was doing this uh remember we didn't have no hip hop stations so the college stations mm. would play hip hop yeah so Emerson College was a college that um people went to for communications mm-hmm. and um so they had a a radio station that played hip hop mm-hmm. and you know, college radio stations are pretty much the students. So you could be from L.A. and go in there and you're playing all L.A. music. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, you know, so we got to listen to a lot of different genres of hip hop. And um, um, I remember they had this, it was a, they had like a, what do you, like a telethon where groups of Boston, but not just rap, rock groups and everything would come up and they would set up a live where mm-hmm. we'd go live. And they was doing that like every year. So, you know, we went up there and performed, and Dave was there to, to interview us. Mm. And that's the first time we met. Yeah. So, you know, we met, and we kind of forged a friendship. He was doing a radio station that was all classical music at Harvard. You know, Harvard is in Cambridge. Yeah. Real kind of white neighbor, you know, real liberal, yeah. peace, you know, no problems, no murders. Is you know what I'm saying? Um, over here, Roxbury, Dorchester is wild as hell, you know what I'm saying? Crazy <laughs> shit going on. So, um, Two different worlds, but it was, it was split by the Charles River. Yeah. So when you go over the bridge, it's crazy, crazy. Once you get over that bridge, you hear birds. Yeah. <laughs> you can breathe better. The air is better. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I would go up to a station, and he he um needed a DJ. So my DJ Jeff two times. He was Def yeah. Jeff back then. Um was was the the, the radio DJ and uh, Street Beat was the name of the of the show. Yeah. So every Saturday, Street Beat for two hours. We'd be up there, and um, out of that came a one-page newsletter that Dave, from his, you know, he he said he wanted to do a one-page newsletter, and it was like, I think Dave looked upon it like, because Dave wasn't into rapping, but this was his way of getting involved with the hip-hop culture and making yeah. his mark and making his name, in which he did. Yeah. Um, he came up with the idea of a one-page newsletter, um, and it was, KRS was on it, it was just one piece of paper. Yeah. That got photostatted, sent out. He, he sent it out to all the record labels mm-hmm. that were predominantly in New York at that time, yeah. and sent it out to all the radio DJs. You know on what's going on in hip hop, and it was one page. Yeah, and um, he, I, I remember he needed. You know, he was he came up with the idea I can get advertising from it, mm. 
and it was a record record back then we had our record stores called Skippy White's mm-hmm. and it was in the hood. Yeah. So you couldn't just come through the hood and be white and Jewish at that point. You just you just couldn't. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? He came in with he came in with me. Yeah. And I made sure he was straight. And he got two hundred dollars from Skippy White. Mm. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Skippy White, an old white guy that sold, you know, hip hop out of the store and was like the main record store in Boston. You know, Skippy was cool. I remember he used to wear this toupee, this yeah. black toupee. <laughs> was the first time I seen a toupee was like, I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know Skippy White? Yeah. Pivoting from RSO though, what was that like? Make what? At what point did you know that it was time for you to pause on RSO and go into the source well, full time? I though? never did. Okay. You know, and now. I never from the streets. I mean, I was still doing my thing. Okay, you know, now. my father laid out a whole lane for me that was, you know, drugs. Um, he was, you know, he was heavy with the mob up there, the Italian mafia, mm. and you know, I, a lot of my, a lot, a lot of my, you know, my father was my hero. Okay, so I really looked up to him. You know, um, the way he moved. You know, what I'm saying the way how he took care of of, of people, and people love my, my 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 dad. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, and um. He had a name in Boston in the streets and everything. I go to all the bars. I was Ray Ray back then. I was mm-hmm. 11, 12 years old Ray Ray before he got locked up. And yeah. um, I got to meet some great, you know, what I'm saying guys. You know, what I'm saying yeah. some real men. You know, Italian mob guys and even some Irish mob guys. And you know, I, I started taking over a lot of what he was doing at a young age. Okay. Because he was locked up, so I'd have to do certain things. You know what I'm saying, and that 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 he trusted me with, and my mom was with none of that shit. She mm. was old school, she Cape Verdean lady. Cape Verdeans are people off the west coast of Africa that pretty much migrated to Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Yeah, and um, she was old school, work, believe in work, and you know what I'm saying, Catholic woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, but you know, her and my dad never got married, but they was in, you know, they fell in love and had me, I was their only son. Yeah. I got a bunch of stepbrothers and stepsisters, but I was their only child and, um, you know, he got locked up for a while, so it was me and her, you know, mm-hmm. and God rest her, she was like my best friend, you know. I got you know, she, yeah, yeah, so, um, but, but you know, I was able to separate the streets and how I was in front of my mother. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? In the exactly. streets, I'm a whole different guy, but Facts. when I come home, I'm, man, I'm just, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I learned how to play both roles. You know what what was it like taking up after your dad, though, out there in the streets of Boston as well? And then also with him having those heavy connects, you meeting these people and winding up following in his footsteps as well. And, and that's why I really didn't really fear no danger because mm. I always felt like, the respect that he had, I've seen it at a young age to watch yeah. how he moved and watch how people took to him. Mm-hmm. Whether it was fear, it never looked like that. It just looked like it was nothing but love. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you know, um, he's still living, man. Schnapps is 81, man. A lot of his mm-hmm. guys died and gone. I mean, he's went yeah. through heart surgery. I mean, he, you know, he, he beat COVID. I mean, I'm looking at this yeah. man. He had uh, spleen. T- he's, he's had uh, so many things in his later life as far as operate, he's still going strong. But mm. back then it was like, I really didn't fear anything. I just yeah. felt like I was his son, which made me untouchable. Mm. I, I don't know what made me, you know, but, and as long as, you know, he always taught me to keep business straight. Yeah, Like I wasn't a fuck up. Come on. I, I didn't fuck up people's money. Come on. I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Whatever was mine was mine, but I made sure whoever was theirs was theirs. Exactly. Just out of fear of my father. Come on. So, and I, I learned a lot, you know, I learned a lot. What did you learn being around those mob guys, though, seeing how they were maneuvered? They, 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 they had love with me, they had love for me. Yeah. Um, they always treated me as Tito's son, and you know, n- no matter what, people gotta understand, you know, people look at mob guys and guys of, of that crime world as 
as bad guys. But one thing I could tell you, especially in nowadays world, like they still had integrity for family exactly. and a moral code. I mean, nobody's perfect, but they still stood for something. Mm -hmm. And I got, I learned a lot of those qualities now that don't exist at all mm -hmm. out here in our world today. And you know, I know how to take the good out of everything yeah. and put it into good. Mm. I learned, you know, because you know, my dad as much as, um, cause I don't like to be a hypocrite, you know, selling drugs is not good. You know what I'm saying, but we had to do what we had to do. Yeah. But but he still, it was like um, he helped a lot of people. Mm -hmm. He, you know, what I'm saying that people, you know, that really appreciate it. Yeah. And he wasn't selfish. Mm. And that came down. He passed that down to me. And like you know, I got that from him. Just as I got love and having a conscience yeah. from my mother. Without a conscience, you, then you might as well be an animal out Come here. On. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to be able to think to yourself. You know, man, I don't want to do something because I'm gonna let her down. Yeah. You know, I didn't even high school. I just graduated for her. I just yeah. high school. I didn't really, you know, and I I, I made sure that I want my kids to graduate. But it's yeah. like I was so much in the streets that the reason I, anything that good came out of me, not son, that nothing good came out of my father because yeah. it did, but it was just different things. It was just like whatever she wants me to do out here, I got to try to do, and she wanted me to graduate. That's right. Once she started understanding what I was doing and doing it with my dad, she never liked it. Mm. And she used to be mad at my father about it, but they yeah. had already broke up. Yeah. And it was already, I was already in too deep at that point. Yeah. You know, but again, I always knew how to separate the streets from my mother, and I think she appreciated that, but there was still a part of her that was probably disappointed yeah. because I chose the street life. But in hip hop, I remember, you know. It came in handy. Yeah, because that was something that she figured was like, man, this is good. This is taking them out the streets. Yeah. So she she let, you know, we had a house. She let me have all our practices there. And we're blasting music out there. Yeah. But she didn't care because, hey, look, he's not in the streets. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? He's bring, I mean, all the friends was coming to my house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, the whole block. And they always used to say, my mother was hard. Yeah. They used to be like, man, boy, your mother's mean. Now she ain't mean. She just strict. She and they, you know, yeah, you know. Yeah. Man, boy, because they straighten up when she's around. Yeah. And I'm talking... You know, somebody, you know, you always got your friends that are just <laughs> pig pens. So no matter what, you know, like you're, you're a little leery of bringing yeah, them around exactly. your mom. But you know what I'm saying? But they straighten up, and you know, with with the respect. And that was dope. So she she looked at hip-hop as something like that music's loud. Rain, man, turn that shit down. But at the same time, yeah, at the same time, she, it, it took me away from the streets. So she was all for that. Yeah. But she wasn't never, I could say it, that she was never, ever, you know, um, happy about me doing yeah. what I was doing. So, you know, when I met these mob guys, I, at, at that point, I didn't realize, when you're young, you don't realize the significance of the mob until you get older and you start seeing movies and you start, although I was a part of it, it was something that was kept in house. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't nothing that I always, I just felt like this was business and these are great business guys. Yeah. But their moral compass is what I, is how I, how I looked at them with their family because mm -hmm. I would meet all their kids and I, you know, just seeing the respect that their sons had. I mean, I was the same way. Yeah. So that's what I took out of it. I ne everything that people looked at as far as the drug side of it and doing these things, you know, I remember taking notes, sticking them up my ass, bringing them to other fed joints for my bosses just for my father passing out. Yeah. The street shit was all kind of shit from, you know, you know, Doing all kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say too much, yeah. but but I pretty much did everything there was for my dad yeah. while he was locked up that anybody could do in that in that life. Yeah. And um, but it was that and it was hip hop. Yeah. 
I was a DJ. I was at a club, at a bar. I was doing block parties with my Serwin Vegas speakers. And since I had the money, I was able to, my rap group had more than other rap groups. Yeah. Because I was able to fund everything. I I I bought the the first, um, 808s, then the first MPC, yeah. then the first uh, SP 1200s, yeah. and I would buy all the equipment. I had money, so you know what I'm saying. Um, I, I, we would get our RV vans and go out of town, and like you know, I was funding my own shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you know, and I didn't, I never got all my my major cases. I pretty much had um a great lawyer. You know, yeah. I had my I had these mob lawyers that was fighting my cases that eventually I turned on. You might as well say these two lawyers, I could say Leppo and Roseanne, that I turned on pretty much to all my guys and they've mm. got I mean from murder to high drugs and found them not guilty. So these are these are great lawyers I turned on to the people that helped their life. Which now we're even representing their sons now. Damn. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. It's it's What was that like with you having to fight those cases? Did you ever look at your dad and say, Damn, I might find myself behind these walls no. for a long ass time? I looked at everything as business. I looked yeah. at everything. I didn't I, I feared nothing. Yeah. I, I, my conscience was bleeding for my mother. Of mm. course. That was the only thing that I was going through it when it came to my mental state was like I let it down. That's you know, that's that's really the only thing. Everything yeah. else was just all a part of it. Mm-hmm. If I got time, it was just a part of it. Yeah. It wasn't nothing that was surprising that too, you know, I knew what I was doing. I, I understood the, the the penalties behind everything I was doing. Um, but I was always one step ahead. I always, you know, to be a lawyer, you have to have the ability to be steps ahead, to already see things steps ahead. That's right. You know, and that's the same in anything. Chess. And yeah, yeah, chess. So I always, and I learned how to play chess at yeah. a young age. I always was steps ahead. So, and, um, and again, just the words of my father and how he told me to move, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um, so I, that's what kept me knock on wood from any doing doing any real time. You know so when y'all started cranking up the source, you got the music going on and you got the streets going yes. on at the same time. Yes. How was all of that stuff commingling? Uh, you know, since since hip hop came from the streets, uh, perfect. It, it was all hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would get block parties and have nickel bags. I mean, a thousand of them <laughs> under the under the turntables and be selling weed like a motherfucker at, at the um block parties. Yeah. And then when you start getting up into heavier things, it was like it wasn't necessarily brought to the block parties anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just that my time was split between the things that I had to do for him. Yeah. And what I had, and then my pastime, which is my love, yeah. my hobby, that's all I was doing. Yeah. If I wasn't doing things, you know, hustling, then I'm, I'm, I'm doing music. You know what I'm saying? I started going to studios early, in the, in the early 80s, and um, the group was recording. Yeah. I mean, I was living out my dream at that point because, like, again, I'm watching, in 79, I'm watching Wildstyle, like, wow, I want to yeah. be a part of this. And, you know, and I, and I was a part of it. So... What was that like for you when you found yourself on the media side of things, coming into it as an yeah. artist, but then finding yeah. yourself being a juggernaut yes. on the real power behind everything? Now that was the transition. The yeah. transition was when, when when I started getting into the in the world of magazines. It pretty much was Dave in the, in, at the beginning, mm-hmm. but then I started learning more. Mm-hmm. I started learning more about brand management, about journalism, about marketing, promotion. Yeah about labels and what they do to promote records Thanks. and artists. I started learning more, getting more more knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's not like, people don't realize, like I didn't see a dollar from the source. Like that was Dave's main way of getting money at the time, but he mm-hmm. came from a Jewish family. You know, yeah. my family, again, my father and mother, nobody was given anything. Yeah. So um, Dave's life was pretty cool, going yeah. to Harvard 
he knows once he graduated from Harvard, there's no way that he can't just walk in and command a six-figure six salary. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just based off of his skin and based off of his degrees. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I was still hustling the streets. You know what I'm saying? I was still heavy much like I didn't. It wasn't like I, you know, I, I wasn't going to take any money from the source because Dave is just building it. Yeah. But I'm already getting money from the streets. You're getting your money now. A, a nice significant yeah. amount. And, you know, it wasn't until, shit, the source was discovered in 88, probably 96, 97 when, like, my transition really started understanding that. Because in those years, I got, I got a hip-hop group, and I'm using the influence of the source to help my group. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, we you know we started getting it. We got our first single deal from Tommy Boy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It was about police brutality and police killing kids. I mean... You know, when we marched about this now, that shit was going on back then, like yeah. a motherfucker. So yeah. this has been going on. This ain't nothing new. Um, song called One in the Chamber. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it was really, that's when I started probably understanding racism and kind of being revol like a revolutionary, like seeing, really getting, tapping into my black side and culture and how police are out here and they have stuff against us. Yeah. When I did that song, so... I started looking at hip hop now as something that's not just music anymore. It's starting to grow and it's and it's starting to be a voice that could help change because when we made that song, we got sued by the Boston police. Damn. You know, because Ice-T at the time put out Cop Killer and Warner put that out and Warner just bought Tommy Boy. So mm. Tommy Boy just couldn't be the independent force and put that song out and don't give a fuck. Yeah. They had to listen to Time Warner and Time Warner was not having none of that shit. They got rid of Ice-T, they got, and I'm gonna tell you an ill story that I never told on any podcast, another story. I yeah. like to tell separate stories on, on different I'm podcasts. I'm here for it. Because okay, so Ice-T put out Cop Killer. Yeah. Now, Cop Killer at that time, you know, people were killing, you know, the Reggie Dennis and all that other stuff. Yeah. You know, again, we're in Boston, that shit been happening forever. So when we put out one in the chamber, it was specifically about two incidences, and I know the kid's name still. Mm. Christopher Rogers, 17, he got gunned down under a, under a car. Mm. He was hiding from a police under a car, and they reached under there and shot him seven times under a car. Damn. And and Nathaniel Lackland, that was shot twice in the back of his head in a hall in a Jamaica Plain Hallway project. Damn. Now, just telling you what the crimes are, you already know there's no way that the police should have been. They were found not guilty, not no justified, kept their jobs. So this this was going on in Boston in the '80s, early '80s. Yeah. All right. So. We put the song out, and um, at, at the time, Tommy Boy was independent. They had Naughty by Nature, Queen Latifah. They were independent, small label out of New York that had major distribution. Yeah. Owned by a Jewish guy. So so we good. We got. But how we got that deal was from Dave in New York, because the officers was at New mm. York at that time, bringing down the A&R, Kevin, from... Um, from Tommy Boy to see us perform. Yeah. So the influence of the source and Kevin coming down with Dave, we got our first deal. Mm -hmm. But we put out the song One in Chamber. Yeah. So we're just getting ready to do our video and it's like, yo, the song is getting traction in New York. That was everything at that time. Like, mm -hmm. yo, New York's loving you. We in. Yeah. We from Boston. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So the police sued us and we found out on the t on the front page of the Boston Herald, because there's only two major newspapers, the Herald and the Globe. Yeah. But they're predominantly Irish. Mm. You know, the people that run them are white. So yeah. police, the press, the politics is all one. Yeah. It's all, they all work together. Yeah. And they ain't fucking with niggas. <laughs> okay, so, 
so so they sued us for that. They said the lyrics was going against police. Yeah, we're, we're, we're defaming police, and we're just saying the song was a message. They're saying that the, where we put a message out for kids to to kill cops. Yeah, and what is it? we're not saying no. We're saying if motherfucking cops is gonna be out here killing kids, we gonna be ready and we gonna you send it back. Yourself. You know, you gotta defend yourself. So we lost that deal, but it's how we found out about it. It was on the front page of the newspaper. Mm. And I was like, oh shit. So we try and get in touch with Tom Silverman. He ain't even answering his phone. <laughs> so I remember I'm pissed. I'm so I got an interview and I was like, you know, it was like, well, Ice T made a song. I said, look, the Ice T song wasn't even and no listen, Ice T, now that's a legend. I don't take legend. I'm you know what I'm saying? But Ice T's a real legend because I seen Ice transfer himself from a, a LA rapper on um the song the on those it was it was the movies uh rap rapping and breaking, breaking. Yeah. And he was the only rapper on there. That was the first time we heard somebody from LA really kind of rap and his yeah. style was different. But from that to a movie icon, mm -hmm. to been in some of the best movies and keeping it one hundred, what I love about him, he just still he he's one of the him and Cuba are one of the actors out here that can still bring that what we are. A lot of actors just get get out of themselves yeah. and they want to be something else. They still, when you look at them and when you look at their roles, I don't even care if they're playing a cop. Yeah. You still get that, man, yeah, he's one of us. Exactly. You know, okay? So I don't want to get that twisted. Yeah. But at that time, I'm young, I'm angry, and I'm like, look, that wasn't even a rap song, man. That was a rock song. Mm -hmm. And and I remember, I forgot what it was. It was the New York Times. It was mm -hmm. an article. So the article must have got back to ICE like it was a diss record. Mm. Okay, so I mean, like, a, like you know, he took it this. as a, so yeah. I didn't, um, you know, it it didn't play in part until we got our first um, this uh, we got to perform at the our first big show out of town to fifteen thousand people at the Irvin Amphitheater in mm. Los Angeles. Yeah, this is when Bloods and Crips are going crazy, but they was trying to do a truce at this time. At this time, they're trying to do yeah. a truce, you know. So I never forget it, man. It was just the four of us, and we had a Jamaican artist called Wayne Ranks mm. that had appeared on us, that we had a song in Boston that was taken off because of the way he spit on He was a feature. Yeah. So it was just us five out there, you know, we didn't have, so I remember I had a cousin out there, and I got a, I managed to get like a little 32 snub. You know what I'm saying? A little yeah, 32. Yeah, something there. It's a 32 or something. Yeah. So um, we in back of it, and it's one of them radio shows where all the artists come. So I remember Shantae Moore, Montel Jordan, Scarface, I mean, it's all kind of, so they coming from everywhere. Yeah. So this, it had 15,000 people and it was an indoor-outdoor show. Mm -hmm. And I remember on the way there, we're seeing cops, but it's the first time I ever seen, like, in Boston, they really wouldn't do this, but it's the first time I seen how they put them on the side, they, they got them locked down, and they're sitting down inside, so we seen all kind of shit going to, going to the show, but we still happy as hell. We about to perform in front of 15,000 people in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, you know, we, we we familiar with the streets, so I'm, you know I'm I'm like the leader of the group. So I gotta you know listen you know, you know the way we move is how we move. But I'm yeah. I'm you know we don't move flagrant. We ain't out here to disrespect nobody. We, you know, we understand we're in a whole different city, and you know we come out here to perform and let's everybody you know be on their best behavior. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> in other words, so um, we're out there, and you and backstage is all the um, like the uh, the RVs and everything. Mm -hmm. And Ice T was gonna be there. I didn't know Ice T was gonna be there until mm. we got out there. And um, and and I, you know, it was deep back there. People, you could tell L.A. niggas different from New York niggas, yeah. that East Coast, Boston niggas. We East Coast, they West Coast. You could tell the difference. Yeah. Um, one thing I did notice about L.A. niggas back then is that they had the biggest niggas. Yo. <laughs> 
Like it seemed like you grow bigger out there. Like damn, big three hundred pound motherfuckers in, in, in all that San Quentin bench pressing and stuff. Man, I mean, yeah. big motherfuckers just. I'm like, damn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so somebody said, "Yo, Ice One kept big and came over. Yo, Ice One talked to you." Yeah. I said, "Oh shit." So I'm telling him, you know what I'm saying? So I said, look. He said, he wants you to come over alone and shit. I said, look. I said, listen. I said, whatever happened, I, we, we get in the huddle. Because yes. it's loud and we backstage. And I said, whatever happened, we sticking together. That's right. I said, nobody run. I said, you know what I'm saying? I said, I don't give a fuck what happens. We stick together. Yeah. We fight together. I said, if y'all see and something, they start jumping me over here, y'all niggas better run over here. <laughs> exactly. Because if they don't kill me, you know what I'm saying? Come on. You know what I mean? So... I go over and talk to him, and again they had the stage that when the next artist comes on. Then this the, the stage did the rotate. Yeah. The next artist, it was dope. So we had already did our performance. Mm -hmm. It was one of the first ones, and um, so Ice was like the closer. Mm -hmm. So he had a gang of niggas with him backstage. Yeah. I couldn't even count them. I was like, God damn. But, <laughs> but again, coming up after my dad, I didn't. I, I always walked into the fire. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I feared nothing because whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You just think when the story's told, how, how's your side going to be told? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be a runner. You're going to be the bitch. Come on. You know on. what I'm saying? You know, because it don't matter whether you win, lose, or fight, or win. As long as you stood and fought. Stood up. You know what I'm saying? Then, yep. then the story is going to, you still going to look good. Look good. You know, and that's all we have is our legacy. Come We're going to be dead a lot longer. So, Come on. So he, I went over and he said, look, man. I don't get into the back and forth. All I'm telling you is this, bro. Um, you see out there, look out there. He started naming sets. He said, man, I got this truth thing. He said he got over 500 bloods and 500 crips and on a truce. Yeah. He's like, man, I ain't got no beef with you. He said, we, gonna, I said I don't wanna, we ain't gonna kill each other. Yeah. He said, I, I swear to God. He said, let's go kill. And I don't even wanna say this because I don't wanna make Ice look bad. Yeah. But he said, we gonna kill anybody. Let's go kill some cops. <laughs> Right, and he said that right. Yeah. So I was like, man, it was a relief. But then it was like, man, he a real nigga. Yeah. And when he timed it came on, that motherfucking stage rotated, and they had put together a big ass flag, American flag of red and blue fucking flags. Yeah. And they went on their bloods and crits with they signed, man. I got goosebumps, bro. Crazy. Like, I got this was you know what I'm saying like yeah. the, when that motherfucker man the whole fifteen thousand went crazy. I never heard it was bananas. And this was the first time that I, that a truce probably had a little bit of serious. And Ice T did that. Yeah. And man, we got home safe, and I'll never forget that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And you know that was a that was a, another label time though on rap a lot. Woo! How did you link up with Jay Prince, All man? Right. You're doing good because. I'm at Jack the Rapper, yeah. and the first time we seen Tom Silverman's coward ass, because remember, he never picked up the fucking phone after yeah. we just dropped, and Tommy Boy, he, he's not giving me no explanation. Yeah. A few years later, we see Tom Silverman at Jack the Rapper. Jack the Rapper was like this big festival that, that you know yeah, people would come it. together, and every, everybody, well, this it was in New York at the time. Uh, it was at the Marriott when it first started. Okay. The very first, and then he tried, but Jack the Rapper, and we see this motherfucker coming down the escalator. Yeah. And the es it was at the Marriott, so they got them big ass escalators. Yeah. Don't you know this motherfucker? And I'm deep. Yeah. He tried to walk back up the escalator. It was too late. <laughs> this motherfucker's coming nice and slow, and we about 30 deep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I said, look at this motherfucker, man. We was about to give him the business. I ain't even gonna lie. Yeah. It was only, this is, I swear to God, this happened, man. As he's coming down, Jay Prince is coming through another hallway. 
of the hotel, and he's like, Jay, Jay, Jay Prince, and Jay recognizes <laughs> him. My life. Jay Prince, yeah. He said, look, he said, Benzino, for real, man, he says, at that point, I had to answer to, he's explained it, I had to, and Jay's wondering what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Cause you know, he's like, listen, but I wanna give you Jay Prince's number. Mm -hmm. He said, Jay, this is the group you want. He mm. says, he says, we're not into the controversial thing. He says, you know what I'm saying, Jay Prince is the perfect guy, believe me, Jay, he's the one that hooked us up with Jay Prince. Yeah. That's and, crazy. Yeah, ain't that crazy? That's crazy, <laughs> the way you set that up too, because yeah. that's a true fucking story. And like, you know, Jay signed us. Damn. Before Jay though, because we never had an album though, before Jay Easy E was about to sign us. And um I did two meetings with Easy in in in, in LA. Talking to Easy, what was that like, man? The legend and the myth versus who the, the who you met? Man, he was one of my again, I was influenced by him. Okay. Dr. Dre, heavily. Yeah. Ren Cube, Thanks. heavily yeah. being in Boston. So man, just to even have an opportunity when he said he was gonna sign us to an album deal. Mm. And you know, and the, how that happened was Jerry Heller and Dave, mm -hmm. Jewish guys, they Lincoln doing advertisement. Dave, so so you know, Dave says, "Look, I got this group, mm -hmm. controversial group, because that was our controversy at the time That's right. with the police. You know, what I'm saying easy. You know how easy feels about yeah. the police. <laughs> so before Jay got into it, we had he flew, he had two of the Samoans with him. This is when he was going through that period with Suge and everything. This was yeah. happening at the exact same time." He flew down there and met me at the source, and then we met him at the St. Regis Hotel. Yeah. The significance of that is when, I, when, I, when I'm watching the movie was that I remember they hired the Jewish Defense League. Mm. So back then I didn't know, but as I'm watching the movie, but this dude that I met, the only one that was with him was a, was a Samoan yeah. bodyguard, guys, right? Um, what was the name of that rap group, man? I'm just, man. I know what you're talking about. Fuck, man. I Legendary, can't. man. You know what I'm saying? I can't. You know what I'm the talking Simone about. The Samoan rap group. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. All right. The Samoan brothers. Yeah. Are, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so two of them was his bodyguards, and I remember this other guy in a kind of like a short leather trench. Yeah. And he had, I remember, he had like, a, he was packing on the inside because you could see the bulge. Mm. And he had a ponytail, looked like Steven Seagal. Yeah. And I was like, look at this motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we met twice and he agreed to sign us for $175,000, our first album deal. Mm. Um, and I was, everything was dope. The lawyer that was haggling it on, his, on our end yeah. is now the Tupac Estates lawyer, Tom Wally. We got all the particulars um, ironed out. And he went to the hospital. And I remember when Easy was, was with me, he was coughing a lot. Yeah. But I didn't pay no attention because this is a LA nigga and it was around winter, around fall to winter at the time. Yeah. So um, he went in the hospital to see the sign. I, I remember I was calling him yeah. on a regular while he was in the hospital. And maybe about a few days I called him, his, his voice had changed. Uh, you know. mm. He said, and I sent him, I said, we just did this new song and I sent it to him once to see if he heard it. And he said he liked it. Um, there'll be some, and I sampled like flashlight with, you know, that's the, the the type of shit that you know we was those type of producers, a sampling, heavy sampling producer. Yeah. Myself and God rest JB, you know what I'm saying? We Hangman Three, so that's right. Um, we was heavy into sampling West Coast shit, but we sampled that, and he he said he loved the song that he had bronchitis. Yeah. And we just waiting for him to get out to sign the paper because we only had two groups that were signing Ruthless at that time. It was us. And his wife Tamika and Yella had brought him Bone Thugs, mm. and we was getting signed at the same time. So I remember, you know, what I'm saying we excited. So about three days went by, and hear from him. 
I was like, damn, Dave, you think he changed his mind? So Dave was in L.A. at that time for another meeting, and he actually, because Dave hadn't heard from him either. So Dave was going to go just, was going to send him flowers. Mm -hmm. And it's a true story. When he was in, he was at the hospital at the flower on a lower floor where they sell flowers. And he was getting easy to send him up something, you know, get well a card, just show him that we was, you know, rooting for him, whatever he was going through. Yeah. And he called him and said, everything's fine. Mm. Dave got the call, so he didn't even tell him he was at the hospital. Yeah. He didn't even say nothing to make him think that we didn't believe him. Yeah. Or we was pressuring him. Yeah. Day later, man, Dave called me and said he died of AIDS. My God. And, you know, a lot of bad stuff had already happened to the group. Like, at that point, I'm starting to think, like, man, are we cursed, man? I, I, yeah. I just, man, I was in the house for like three days. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even want to go outside, man. My mother was worried about me. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to talk to nobody. It just was, we, we've been trying so hard to get an album deal. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It seems like whatever, it's not the music, it's whatever we're going through. Yeah. So that was fucked up. But then Jay Prince, we ended up getting a deal with him because, again, he was an independent, one of the big, biggest independents, yeah. and, and they're doing business with the source. So he was at, you know, Went down there. I actually went down there when he signed us and lived down there mm. for about a year and a half. And all his producers, he produced the album and everything. Talk about that experience down in the H Town with oh. Rap a Lot, man. I mean, a Boston man Different in from, Texas. Man. I mean, what man. was that whole ride like? You know what though? It, with, with, with me, I'm I'm always a group guy. So we 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 together with the fellas. Yeah. this is fun. Exactly. This is the shit. You know what I'm saying? We we all stay in one house. Yeah, girls everywhere. Nobody has. No wifey or nothing. Yeah. We're just living out. Yeah, we, yeah, you know what I mean? And we was making music with the music that we loved. Yeah. You know, I remember Beto, N.O. Joe, Mike Dean. Yeah. Got to work with the great Mike Dean. Mm -hmm. um, man, you know, we put a we put the album out. And um, it was, you know, Jay was a guy, you know, that, um, I mean, he, he was like the mayor at that point. I mean, yeah. that's the guy that, you know, my father was big in, in the hood, but it was through the Italians and Irish, and I think Jay was through the hood. Mm. And, you know, the respect he had was crazy. I remember one time after the studio, I'll never forget, we chilling. And then, um, no, it was, he had a, his office, so we all getting ready to go home. And i never forget his guys, we all driving, and they got to the exit. And about a good 10 cars let him get to the exit, and he mm. just took off. Like, they followed him to the exit that nobody was, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, just the respect he had from his men around him. He moved like the same the guy president. that my father yeah. introduced me to, but they black. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? I, that's the first thing I noticed. And just really about his business. Yeah. Really serious guy. The biggest thing I could I could I could tell you about Jay Prince is that he's serious. He's no play with when it comes to business. Yeah. Very smart, very calculated, doesn't say too much. You know what I'm saying? It's just about business. Exactly. And I respected that more than anything. And he didn't let controversy, he actually welcomed the controversy as Easy did. Mm. You know, he didn't care about what white America thought about the type of music we was putting out. And that's the type of guy that we want to be with. Did you ever get a chance to pick his brain from the business standpoint of things too as well? Uh, you know, I, I always looked at Jay as someone that, that I gave him his, his space. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and just listened. I was a guy that, you know what I'm saying, that no matter what I did back home, because we wasn't dealing with, with each other on any type of street or drug yeah. level, nothing like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So any person I dealt with business, you know, I would always be more of a listener. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because he has that part of his life together, mm. so I can only learn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure, I know the street shit, but I, I wasn't, 
I didn't go to Jay for that. Yeah. I went for a, 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 a album deal. So he was essentially my boss in that. Yeah. So I had humbled myself, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure, yeah. to listen, just to, you know, soak up game. I knew he was doing it independently. Yeah. You know, but the, at that point, he had it, the, the problem with us is that every time we signed to one of these major independents, they just get taken over. Mm. You know, but so New Tribe and Virgin just signed rap a lot at that yeah. time. Yeah. So, you know, although Jay was independent, it's it still once you sign over to those guys, you're signing over the whole marketing and promotion, and they just mm. didn't see it the same as maybe Jay would. And even yeah. Tom Silverman, that independence, you're able to independently put out what you want, regardless of how radio or the powers that be think. So that leads me to a question, too, right there. Independent versus being with majors. Which way do you think is the best way to go? If you're a heavy independent, should you just stay it's, independent, or should you go get that bag from the majors? It's all about it. Your, your your personal situation. Okay. Yeah, like what you're going through. If you know, if you need that money, you got to do what you got to do mm -hmm. by any means necessary. As Malcolm said, you can't. <laughs> yeah, man. Because if you need that money right then and right there, yeah. then you got to go get the money right there. And, and of course, a lot of times when people understand, getting money right then and right there is sometimes isn't isn't going to be good in the long run. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because the type of deal you can structure is that you're going to get more money in the long haul. But the importance of that moment is just as important of anything that's going to happen in the long yeah. haul. So that's how I always looked at life. So what if your money is good? Should you get a, a if your money is good? If your money's good, then that's why you know I was already getting money in the streets. That's why yeah. being with an independent worked for me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I yeah. didn't have to take the big bag, and I can get more of a bigger a bigger piece off the back end. Yeah, that's what Tommy Boy and Jay Prince was. Mm -hmm. Even even easy. Easy was one of the first ones to get picked up by a major, but still keep that independent type of street. Like, nah, I don't even want y'all promoting. I ain't even dealing with y'all. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Give me the money, let me run my company, and y'all just get get the profits. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Whatever the profit sharing that we're gonna do, but y'all ain't promoting shit because y'all yeah. because y'all don't know how to. Yeah, yeah, y'all can promote Garth Brooks, but y'all not to promote <laughs> the street shit. It's just two different lives, just two different cultures at that time. Thanks. All they give a fuck about the money anyway. To this day. These corporations, these radio stations and red companies, they don't give a fuck about you personally. Facts. They only care about the money they can make <laughs> off of So therefore, they're not going to understand it. But that's why they don't care about us killing each other or going to jail because in their mind, it makes the sales go up. You know what I'm saying? You just snapped with that, Benzino. It's true. You just snapped with that. And so back on the uh, rapper lot side of things, did you get a chance to collaborate with any of the rappers and what? other artists? So what? studio Got sessions, what the hell was going on? Come on, Benzino, you can't what? gloss over that. You what? and Face in the studio going crazy. That's my brother. Break it down, man. Man, he, uh, man, top five dead of a lot. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Was one, you know, back then, we talking about what was going on in the streets. You know, it did not necessarily, um, you know, making it look beautiful yeah but just giving you that that's right something about when you're listening to it if they do it good enough it gets into your spirit that's right and he was one of the ones that there was nobody greater i mean he spit it and when you listen to it it was like man that's 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 you know major influence so to get down there and be in the studio and, and rock with him was big for us yeah you know what i'm saying um since then man we've we've kept in touch and I really have a lot of admiration and respect for him. Yeah. As as another legend. He's a legend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, 
you know, that was amazing for us. Uh, got to work, like I said, with the producers. You know, all the people that were making that amazing music was yeah. John Beto, N.O. Joe, Mike yes, Dean. Uh, you know, working with them in the early stage because that music was all about instruments. Mm -hmm. We were samplers up top uh, and, you know, with, with beat, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But they they were heavy on guitar and bass. Yeah. And that's where, you know, as, as a producer, I just was like, you know, in awe. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you could still do your samples, but have that bass player come in and throw that funk on it. They was heavy on funk. Yeah. Down in Houston. Like, it's got to be funky now. Yeah. A lot of their influence came from, of course, the South and West Coast where, you know, West Coast was there. Like, they picked up on funk fast. Mm -hmm. For some reason, George Clinton and James Brown being from, James being from Augusta and George Clinton, because I look at them as the, the, the folk. Of, you know what I'm yeah. saying? George Clinton being from Newark, New Jersey, and what they did with the group yeah. of people they had was major influence on my life as far as music yeah. and culture. So, you know, that um, a lot of places just, where New York and East Coast was heavy in jazz. Mm -hmm. You know, it was different. I mean, they were so heavy in jazz that it showed yeah. within the beats and drums and everything, where down here it was heavy in funk. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I just got, you know, heavy into both of it, which which made me the type of music person I am, I guess. During that time in hip hop, you had a lot of stuff going on, and I mean, a lot of folks called it the golden era. That was. And stuff like that. <laughs> it was. What was it like being in the middle of that and coming across all of those different artists at that time and actually being able to live and breathe and say, I was off in this thing? Man, listen, that was, those, that was the greatest years of my life, only because we were all getting money. The black people were getting money, white people were looking at us. It just, <laughs> yeah, man, it was it was a great time, not just as far as for hip hop, but, but for black culture that, yeah. these, you know, a system built against us and giving us nothing that we can make this from nothing. Yeah. And like, look, look at motherfuckers. We got your kids loving us. <laughs> yeah. The, the shit that you putting out to stop us and fuck us up, your kids are loving it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we, we taking shit to sugar. So Thanks. Just for the whole culture to eat, mm -hmm. to be a part of a genre that your man can get out of jail and get a job was just amazing. And, you know, Shit being looked upon just in your hood, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And people bouncing to your shit and loving your shit, and all the girls looking at you. Come man. on like, now, you know what I'm saying? It was nothing better than that. It was nothing better than that. At what point was it that you was able to start to get some cash flow from the source, and you were like, "Okay, I'm glad as hell I invested in this shit." That early. was it for the streets. Yeah, that oh. was. Yeah, I didn't have to do it no more. Yeah, once, once that was like around '98, '99. That okay. was it. We started. We started making so much money. I mean, we had to be in our in our heyday of five, within those three to four years. We was almost making over a million dollars a month from advertising. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a nigga from the hood, Kaboom. and you know, getting I wasn't getting that money. Mm -hmm. I was doing good for myself, but I wasn't getting that money. Not even close. So come on, I didn't I didn't understand money. Yeah, having that money, I just knew that I had a bunch of people to help. Yeah. Had a bunch of people that was back in Boston that need assistance. Yeah. And man, I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I took a group of guys on, on around the world. And it just was, I never even had an office at the source. I'd go in mm. on Dave's couch, smoke, and, and just, <laughs> and then we'd have meetings. And from those meetings, Dave would, Dave was the administrative, and I was out there in the jungle. Oh. And that's what made the source big and what it was. Because a white man embraced somebody from the street, not like XXL. Yeah. All college kids, nothing against college. Yeah. Not like the Vibe magazine. This was something where the guy who actually, you know, we're partners, a street yeah. kid, 
and a kid from Harvard grouped together and a kid that's in the streets and knows the street life. Exactly. The authenticity that what which brings to this game yeah. so that people can understand that because we don't want no fake shit at that yeah. point. Our shit's authentic. That's what made the sauce what it was. And Dave knew my strengths and I knew his and he used to just pick my brain and I just come up with just amazing ideas and amazing, you know, and uh, concepts, and that's how we work together. And I started learning more about the business, the administrative, and, I, and then that's where, you know, I really understood my strengths in the magazine. At that time, though, Benzino, the source controlled the pulse of the culture, though. Yeah. How were you wielding that power out here, having to be the face of the source in the streets at the same time, knowing that that five mics could make you or break you? Gift and the curse. Talk to me. You know, the five mic system is what made the source its Bible, and I respect yeah. it. But be high and be honest. <laughs> you know, I just don't want to keep it wanted, man. Um, I, I, what makes us individuals, right, and I always believed this at a young age, there are a few things that we're going to do that we're going to be just like everybody else. Yeah. But the few things that make us individual is your ability to like the type of music that you want to like. Facts. That you want to like. Yeah. And I always felt like a bunch of people rating music and you believing in their word, not that it it, 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 not that it couldn't be that people could rate your music and yeah, they understood what was not good and what was good and you go buy it because they say it's good. I just always want to just, you know, the whole experience of music is, been, is being able to listen to judge for yourself. Yeah. If every time you listen to a, somebody judging something and you go for their thing, and even though it might be good, then, then you're taking away the biggest thing that you were born with, and that's individuality. Yeah. God gave us, and that's why no matter, no, we are of one culture, exactly. but we're different. Come on. And, 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 and you should be able to have that so, so, so you're just not walking amongst many and just being amongst many. Thanks. Not being a follower, not yeah. being just a part of what everybody's a part of. Just be yourself. It's good to be yourself, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and I, you know, I never judged anybody's music. I never was a part of rating anybody's music. Mm -hmm. I do realize that was one of the one of the things that people loved about the source. Yeah. And I do realize that artists, and this is where the curse came in, because they would think that I'm there rating, <laughs> rating. this shit, and that couldn't be furthest from the truth. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, you know, I wasn't into that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whoever got five mics, they got five mics, and whoever got, I never believed into it. Because, you know, at that point, hip-hop was starting to be territorial. Yeah. So certainly, if you're listening to New York, and you never, I remember in the Source van one time when me and Ghostface Killer first got, this is a true story. Yeah. We was riding with my man Usman. Usman was um, the, the, the mobile marketing head of mobile marketing, we had vans yeah. around the country. These doolies that we came up that Usman put together with, with big ass speakers That's and crazy. wrapping them and getting advertisement. We'd go to these different functions. So we're in the van and I in Ghostface, they had Wu-Tang, can it all be so simple that, so he's playing that, but then I said, okay, let me put this in. I put the diary in, mm. a Scarface. <laughs> so he was liking it, but he didn't know who it was. He was like, yo, who's that, son? Yeah. I was like, yeah, this Scarface. And you know, he was like, nah, you know what I'm saying? But that showed me that right now, like if you from New York, you probably never even heard that. So you might not yeah. like that. That yep. doesn't make it, that doesn't mean it deserves two or three mics. <laughs> you know, because you never, you know what I'm saying? Shit, there's a whole group of people who love that shit. Exactly. And, and, and at that time, the source was 
nationwide. So you got to be careful with that shit. And there was a lot of people who were upset because of their, you know, Nori was a, was a good friend of mine. He said, man, yeah, man, I didn't like you for a long time because I thought you was the one. <laughs> I said, nah, nigga, I, I don't even, you know. So I didn't have time to do it. Praz, another one. Yeah. Came up to me and like, yeah, man, I really didn't, you know what I'm saying? Cause, and I was like, nah, my nigga. And they was like, yo, you a cool, you a real ass nigga. I said, yeah, I'm not, but I, I don't, you know what I'm saying? You know, I had you all wrong. I get a lot of that. I had you all wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I I understand it, but I, you know, um, and I explained to him, I not too long of a thing, because sometimes you, you take insult to that, because you know, I'm still a street nigga. Yeah. So what you mean you didn't like me? I don't give a fuck who you like, you know what exactly. I'm saying? But I still got to be source guy, so I got to sit there and listen to it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but that was, it. again, you're doing a great interview because that was really my biggest, you know, thing with the source was that I'd, I'm getting blamed for the five mics shit. Yeah. If they didn't get what they wanted, I'm to blame, so. Also, just other times that, when was the source the most beneficial to you out here in the streets? And then when was it the most detrimental to you outside of the five It mics? was detrimental because I always was judged as having, like, Having um, oh, you're with the source, and you're getting special treatment. You wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, but it's my. I mag- mean, here you own it. I'm just supposed to give yourself you know, special I mean, look treatment. At, shit. Look at the richest, most influential, arguably probably the the most successful black businesswoman out here, Oprah. Exactly. Who's on the cover of Oh every month? Thank you, Oprah. <laughs> Come on, that's so, good business. At this point, I hadn't been on the cover. We didn't we didn't have our first article written until 1994. The source been out. And, and Six I, years. And I was a rap group before the source was started. Come on. So it wasn't only until, you know, Made Men came and there was a lot of ads. I started seeing how Master P would buy ads. Yeah. And put not just one in that motherfucker, eight of them bitches. I mean, you would <laughs> watch the source and Master P would be bap, bap, <laughs> bap, bap. And I was like, he was spending a good amount of money, but yeah. he was, that was the first time. I was like, damn. So, um, People, that would always kind of look at people like they didn't want to give my music a, um, a fair shot. Yeah. And that always hurt me because I started out Damn. really wanting to do music. So I would always be caught up in that. So that's when, you know, being a part of Source, that was kind of fucked up. But everything else was beautiful. I mean, the money, of course. When, you know, the money, my ability to meet a lot of real niggas. Yeah. There's a lot of fake-ass motherfucking industry niggas in there, but I've met some real great niggas and sometimes it's when in my tra- I've traveled everywhere and been through every hood every city yeah. but it, even the artists it might not be the artists that con- I connected with but it was one of they niggas come on you know what I'm saying so even though they might have been a certain way they was with a nigga who was that nigga so th- those are the niggas that I that, <laughs> that, that I that I you know what I'm saying? Someone Connected who's real with, about yeah. his business and not on that cause I don't, I don't I, I'm not into that celebrity word yeah I believe that God opens up doors for all of us. You have to be prepared. Some people just ain't prepared. Yeah. Some people get their blessings. They don't get them because they're not prepared mentally, yeah. physically, and spiritually. Yeah. You know, I try to be prepared for any door open, no matter what situation I was in. I always try to prepare myself for it because I realize that could be a blessing. Yeah. So I give everybody an opportunity to give me an opportunity. Come on. I give people the opportunity to give me an opportunity. And I had to learn that. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, shit. It, it, you know, every you know, I got to meet some amazing people that I still have ties with now, and I think that that that's the biggest thing. 
when you saw Master P buying out the source, what was that like when you was like, hey man, you're taking up all the inventory in this thing and that tank was moving and dominating and changing the trajectory? No, I didn't look at it like that. Talk I, to me. I look at that like, damn, you are, first of all, the money's good. Anytime you're getting that much, <laughs> just like just like when you're in the street, somebody yep. coming buying all your product, man, that's that's You love them. But, um, and, and listen, it's a piece of paper, so you can buy as many ads as you want in that motherfucker. Ooh. We had about, a, in, in a, again, a heyday, 160 pages. Yeah. And half of them bitches was ads. And it was $25,000 a, a full page. So so do the math. I mean, at one point, we was doing a lot. Because you got to understand, Dave went out there and got with all, you know, he was <laughs> busting his ass to try to get corporate America. Listen, yeah. this is our demographic of people. You need to advertise here. Cadillac, McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? So big ups to Dave for that because he people don't know the type of advertising that we were getting. Dave really created a lane for that for yeah. all these motherfuckers. So people gotta Come give on. Dave his, his flowers yeah. for that. Um, my side was just creating. I'm to the streets and source the street. Yeah. So I'm making sure that we getting all that and and you know <laughs> yeah because you know how the streets are exactly. So um, but I learned about branding. That's yeah. what I learned mo most about, is just yeah. taking your product and how to brand you to millions of people and how to sell your product. When you're dealing with millions of people, though, at the same time, and in this day and age, they call it misinformation. Did y'all ever have any misinformation times to where it was like, oh shit, we didn't mean to put that Never. out? That's okay. A, another good question. Yeah. Never. We wasn't about, like, we wasn't about that. We, we'd have to find out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We had some great writers up there and great journalists, but there was an integrity side to the magazine that we really try to keep. Mm -hmm. And because we felt that's what, that that would separate us from everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we want to hold that that flag. Like, yeah, y'all can be, you know, I mean, at one point, we was bigger than Rolling Stone. Whew. You know what I'm saying? At one point, yeah. What is those office, what are you and Dave saying when you realize that y'all are doing more numbers than Rolling Stone? Just grinning. I mean, we used to just, Smoking grain, but we didn't. We always wanted more. Mm. I mean, now I look at you know me and Dave don't hang out too much anymore. But I look at that those times. I think the best times was just me and him plotting everything that and, and that and that we accomplished. I, all you know, we accomplished. I, I accomplished some major things with this man. Come on, and um, sitting in those offices or sometimes at my crib or his crib and just our journeys. You know that to me when I look back at it. That was the best time because mm -hmm. we smoking good. Yeah, and 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 and, and you, then when you see your thing take fruition and people across the world are like certain things in there like source hip hop behind bars. Like I came up with that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That was one of our best selling covers of all time. Yeah. I had a major major thing in um, anything that was outside the pages of the source mm -hmm. was that came from a lot from me. Yeah, source awards. The Source TV deal, the Source Hip Hop hits we did with Def Jam that sold five million. You know what I'm saying? I started, I started taking things that were just magazine, yeah, related and going kind of to the streets, expanding it more or less to different genres, exactly, to bring in money and stuff. So I think that was my biggest co contribution to the Source. Source Awards, Benzino. <laughs> Pivotal moments in hip hop happened at Source Awards, okay? Yeah, to say the least. Talk to me about that. What was going through your mind in 94 when Tupac hit the stage and he that was- That was, listen, I remember as RSO, we used to have to do the same shit like, okay. oh, you ain't gonna let us perform? 
Well, we, because he wasn't on the, on, on the slate to perform. Yeah. We go to the sound man. And if the sound man's fucking up our shit, then we would just get the sound. Man, we, I did what Tupac did on a smaller level. Yeah. You know, local shit at home. Yeah. But what he did, I'll never forget it. He actually, I, I was backstage. Mm -hmm. So when it happened, I'm backstage. At, at one point, I thought, okay, shit, Pac must have got in. And, you know what I'm saying? With, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember people saying that he was gonna, cause in our meetings, I don't remember people saying Tupac was shit, but I was happy as hell, he, he's performing. Big yeah. Tupac fan. But I didn't know that he just ran out there and, and at that time, cause I'm backstage, so I didn't see it physically happen. I only see it physically happen when I seen it back on the tape. I didn't know that he just snatched the mic from Q-Tip. All I seen was Q-Tip, God rest Chris Lighty, mm. and the other members of his group came back pissed. Ooh. Damn, you know, one of them damn near tears screaming and kicking shit over and everything. I'm looking, yo, what's up with him? But they was mad, and I didn't know it was over until later on. I found out that when he was going, when Q-Tip was accepting his award, Pac just grabbed the mic from him, and he had somebody with the sound man put his, basically, look, homie, you stand over here for a minute. Had three niggas go up there, you you chill over here, and just work the sound. So he brought his own sound guy, put his music in. And, <laughs> And brought and brought the outlaws. He brought the outlaws up there and did out on bail. Oh my god! That was that shit. And then it was back. <laughs> and then it was backstage doing interviews like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. Like yeah, man, this is great. Sources great. It was giving sources props. Yeah. It was an amazing to do the performance. He was still, you know, and we don't saying out of his breath. That, that was crazy, man. You know, rest in peace, Tupac. Man. Yes, sir. Then ninety five pops up, and you got. Diddy versus Shook, Bad Boy versus Steph. You know your Steph. shit, man. I mean, it, that's, I remember watching that one, okay? <laughs> and I remember being up one late night, and uh, I think it, I might not have caught it, because I was 95, I'm probably about 12 years old, I'm born <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, hip-hop, hip-hop. And I remember watching this shit, and I'm like, this is the most tense <laughs> shit I done seen in my life, but it's hip-hop, and tense, it had everybody. If you was tense, imagine everybody in that theater. We was in the Master Square Garden, but a smaller theater. Uh-huh. This was like, out of like one of the first ones that, um, and man, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. Because, you know, Death Row bought a gang of niggas down there. At this time, they're paying us a lot of money for their sets. So that was the time where they, their set was, they had did an all jail thing and everybody that was on death row was coming out they sell. <laughs> I had goosebumps when I was watching that <laughs> That shit was cool. crazy. I remember Diddy and them came out this record. They they came out of a, it was a record, a big ass turntable that lifted up and they came out the turntable. Yeah. Biggie, Junior Mafia, Total, yeah. 112. So that was dope, but the death row shit with them coming out the cells, each one of them, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps iconic. now thinking about it. It was that, that it was, was an iconic moment, man. Crazy, yo. It was like a stage with nothing but jail cells, and each one of them would come out and do their shit. So when Shook came out and said what he said, again, I'm backstage. backstage. So, you know, I'm backstage trying to make sure shit's all right. Yeah. You know, and we had hired the Nation of Islam for security. Mm. And I definitely want to give a big shout out to the Nation of Islam, Captain Dennis, of course, Minister Farrakhan. Yes, sir. Um, Leonard Muhammad, but we would hire them as security for every, you know, for every source award. And that was the first time we hired them. So I think there was a, a real respect for the nation, because FOI would be all in the, in the, uh, you know, the aisles and shit. Yeah. So um, when he said that, everybody was like, "Oh man, I want to give Diddy his props because Diddy could have took that as negative and just jumped yeah. it off right then and there." 
man, fuck you. Fuck. But when Diddy came out, he actually was humble in his response. Mm -hmm. And I want people to recognize that. Because after Suge said what he said, I mean, Suge was flagrant, but that's yeah. Suge, yeah. all right? We all know Shook for Shook, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody, you know, so it wasn't nothing like, you know, you you kind of expected that from Shook. Yeah. Or else he wouldn't have been Shook. Come on. All right? So, you know, you want to give props to Diddy because he could have taken that as major disrespect, which it was. Yeah. And he could have came uh, He could have came and, and answered it back flagrantly, and that would have probably got to blows and gunshots and knife stabbings. Yeah. And, Maybe no more Source Awards ever. Mm. So, but it was only when Snoop got on it and said, man, because when him and Dr. Dre had, I guess, no, Dre had won the award. Mm -hmm. And I had gave Dre his award. No, 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 that was another year. But when 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 they was up there, Shook said, y'all don't fuck, New York don't fuck with, we know where we at. We know this is the birthplace of hip hop. Yeah. New York, New York, you know what I'm saying? He's basically giving props. Mm -hmm. The way he was saying it looked like well, he, he was, he was beefing. Aggressive. Man, fuck but that <laughs> shit. But he was really showing New York love. Yeah. At that point, he kind of confused everybody. <laughs> he really threw everybody off their, off their, off their shit because here, here you are, he's with Death Row, but you hear him showing love, but he's keeping that gangster shit so niggas at Death exactly. Row don't think that he's, you know. Yeah. So I think he threw niggas off from, from the West Coast and the East Coast, but I looked at it as he, he, he kind of suppressed the moment mm. that really could have got fucked Popped up, off. you know what I'm saying, yeah. When you look at the source having to cover all of that stuff and just being in the middle of all of it as media and journalists and stuff like that, what was that like for you having to stand in the middle of that and cover all that? I made sure we didn't pick no sides. Yeah. Made sure because, you know, that, you know somebody could write the wrong thing and then we have motherfuckers up in our office with a yeah. bunch of guns and now, it's, you know what I'm saying? So. Um, I made sure that nobody took a side. Yeah. You know, you just print the facts of what's going on already. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, and, and at that point, shit, we loved both of their music. Yeah. It's not like, <laughs> it wasn't too much. I mean, of course, you're always going to have certain West Coast cat, cats who loves Pac because he, he represented yeah. New York. You know what I'm saying? Just like you're going to have cats from New York. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have that because people take pride in where they're from and where they're born. Yeah. But for the most part, you know what I'm saying? We lost two influential, great, great men, yeah. black men. Yeah. And if we learned anything, we learned never for that to happen. See, Come we on. made sure we didn't try to hype shit up. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a way that you can be very irresponsible as a magazine to take a side and hype it up to make it, you know, even get worse. Exactly. That's what the internet is now. Come on. The internet is nothing but a bunch of instigators hyping shit, shit up to make people half these murders now because of what's being hyped up on here. Exactly. You know, gifting the curse of that. Being a part of history in a major way, though, Benzino, when you were thinking to yourself, you're watching the Tupac documentary, you're watching the Biggie documentary, you're watching their movies, and you're seeing clips from stuff that you helped create <sighs> show up in that Man, stuff, and you lived it. I'm be honest with you. Talk to me. This might be the best interview I've ever done. <laughs> because no, 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 I'm, not, I'm not even just saying that to you. Yeah. Because you're touching on points, you're touching on particular points that I've always wanted to get to come across. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That nobody yeah. would ever ask these particular points. Yeah. So ask that one more time, because this is important. Because <laughs> Yeah, I want to answer this right. Ask okay. that, you know what I'm saying? Being in the middle of history, okay, we're talking about Tupac, Biggie, 
And I'm watching all these movies that You're watching clips. all of these movies and documentaries that's going on right now and all the way up to this day. And you're thinking, okay, I had something to do with all of this stuff. And I was there. Okay. What was that like for you? Proud, but then when I write my story, it's going to be the biggest ever. Ooh. Ooh. Proud, you know, I'm looking at them and be like, I'm proud that they're on the clips because it, 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 it really happened. Yeah. And I'm watching everybody's movie and documentary and the one common thing they got is something about the source. Come on. So... When I write my story, the movie and everything, I realize it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be huge, and that kind of makes me feel good. And I haven't, I'm be honest, you know, I, my life is so crazy, and um, so I haven't sat and done it yet because it, it doesn't seem to be an end, an, an ending. Yeah. Just when I, I was about to write it, my daughter's popping off. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the controversial shit between me and her, and it's like, yeah. damn, well, just when I was about to start writing, I gotta hold up. <laughs> See how this play out. <laughs> gotta give her a chance to do her man, thing. I gotta, I gotta hold up my damn movie and book now. Cause I didn't see that coming, man. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, man, I, I look at all that, it makes me smile, it makes me proud, but you know, I know I have a story to tell. Another part of that source story that's a part of the South coming back to that 95 Source Awards is Andre 3000. Ooh. The South got something to say. And, and and I had something to do with that. Okay, now Benzino. And I'm gonna be honest. And and listen, I, you know, look, I made, I, I had, I did some, I, I made mistakes, and that was one of my mistakes. What? I, um, the one time because I would, I would hear about what the, um, the guys would rate. I would never put my opinions in it because they've already rated it, and I don't get involved with it. But I would pretty much see what how they rated it before it got to press. Yeah. Right before the world knew, and. People were going crazy up in that office over, over Andre. Now, now the first, the first thing they did, I liked the very first. So the playlist, so the playlist, you yeah. know. That, but that it was the one where they was in the graveyard. That was the very time, the very first time mm -hmm. I ever heard them. Whatever that song was, I was like, yeah, yeah that's dope. Okay, yeah. I really, they was actually rocking like East Coast kind of catch. Yeah. I didn't get the South vibe from from that song. Mm -hmm. It was only all the songs after that I started getting the South vibe, and I just, I probably could say that I wasn't in to the South rap at that time. Yeah of Atlanta rap at that time, mm -hmm. of, of that type of rap. And I think I, 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 I might have told Dave, I think they gave him four and a half mics. Mm -hmm. and I might have told Dave, you know, I said, man, I, I, I said, how could they give this four and a half mics? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I didn't understand it. And the same thing that I was trying to hold my values on, I went against it and was being hypocritical because it ended up where, where they changed the face of hip hop, you might yeah. say. They made Southern hip hop have yeah. a voice to be nationwide and really everything after that came after them. So I was wrong on that one. My God. And I started and, and now I'm living in 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 in, in Atlanta yeah. years later and I'm and I'm heavily into, you know, Atlanta music exactly. as well as everything else. But, you know, I, I I made a missed call on it. I made a mistake and I started getting more into it once I started getting into it. But remember I told you I individually yeah. didn't, you know what I'm saying? I didn't try to change the mics. Mm -hmm. I didn't try to do none of that, but I just wasn't, and I, and I think it got to him. Mm. And I think when he said that, mm -hmm. I think it was towards me. I never had, <laughs> no, 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 no. And I, again, I'm saying this the first time. I'm with I'm you. Giving you I'm, because you're asking these great questions. Yeah. I'm giving you stuff that I've never talked about before. My God. I think when he said that, it was towards me. Because Damn. I think, I don't know how it happened, but it got back to him that I, I don't know, that of what I said or how I felt uh, about the music, and I think I think he took that because back then I'm doing I mean, my own music. I didn't know if I said something meant so much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
yeah, man, because I'm, you know, <laughs> you. you know what I'm saying? Like, but I think that he was saying that to me. My and I want to be the first here to apologize to Andre yeah. because if that's what was the um, the perception, yeah. then, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 sh me having that type of influence with the source, I, I shouldn't have probably said that. Yeah. And, but I was wrong. Look how great he is. Look at how much of a legend he is. Look at all the amazing music and what he's yeah. done and as a movie and as an actor. So, you know, I'm not going to be right all the time, and I'd be the first one to admit it. Hey, man, we all human in this thing, Benzino. We I can't blame you for that. Yeah, I would Shit, hope so. We can't blame you for being a man. Now, love and hip-hop, when you took it to the television screen at the same time, right. what was that experience like for you when you put your life on Front Street, but then it turned out to be one of the biggest audiences in television history? I I didn't see it coming. Again, another door <laughs> another door that opened up, and I, I had nothing to do with no shit like that. Okay. I was always a private person with my like I've dated a lot of celebrities, actresses, and everything at yeah. the height of the source that nobody never knew. Ooh. I always did my thing in strictly secrecy. Yeah. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. Um, it might come out in the book though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame it. I don't blame you. But. Yeah, like, you know, when, when when that happened, me and Stevie had already had a relationship, Stevie yeah. and Jay. And I was already like, um, I was already like in Miami and he would come down there and stay with me. I had a huge recording studio mm. and Stevie J one being one of the one of the legend legendary producers. Yeah. Come down there and we just at that time I had been through so much, and he'd been through so much with Bad Boy that we were kind of alike. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like we were kind of like misfits yeah. of our whatever we, you know, the source, yeah. Bad Boy. These are the bad guys of it. That's yeah. what was the perception of <laughs> some people of us. Yeah. But we got along real good, and we, we we had a really great relationship. That when I said, "Look, man, I need to get away from Miami for a minute." I had already been down there for seven years, and then, you know Miami's crazy, man. Yeah. Like, you will burn yourself out, in Miami. And that was like my second home, man. I said, man, I need to get away. Let's do some music. Yeah. Let me come up there and just get away for a sec. And I packed my BMW up. I had my 750. And I, and I say that because the very first episode, the very first scene mm -hmm. of the very first episode of Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, as soon as the very first thing come out, you're going to see a 750. Yeah. That was my 750. Stevie and Mimi was in it. <laughs> yep. Crazy. So, so I came up here. And I just remember him and Mimi were really going through it at yeah. the time. And I didn't even know, because I knew Mimi, mm -hmm. but I didn't know him and Mimi had a baby and everything. Like, yeah. all this shit, damn, nigga, you ain't tell me none of this shit, nigga. <laughs> the fuck? We supposed to be brothers at this point. We had it some years. Yeah. I didn't know you had a fucking, fucking baby. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, man, you know, he got the smile on his face. But I knew he was a wild boy anyway. Yeah. So I was happy for him. But, um, uh, it, what I knew of love and hip hop was a thing of Jim and Chrissy, and it really was a woman's type of thing, like yeah. women and what they go through with men. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But it was like a woman's show, mm -hmm. and you know I used to watch that, and I'd be like, man, I couldn't go through no shit like that because you yeah. know it was, you know, all your business is being told right there. Come on. So I never thought that Stevie was gonna be on. So Stevie was like, now I do remember he was like, yo, he called me. I was in my he's like, yo, check this out, yo, I got the first um. Yo, I got the next Nicki Minaj, but she's, I got the Puerto Rican Nicki Minaj, yo. Ew. I'm saying to myself, nigga, this nigga's just smashing some big ass Puerto Rican. I said, yeah, I see. Like, no, serious, serious, for real, watch, you'll see. So I went out there, and the first time I met Jocelyn, she was, you know, with Stevie, she was, um, 
I never I met. I, he's like, here she goes. And yeah. she was in, we was at the Atlantic Station LA Fitness. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, come on, nigga. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I said, this is just another chick. He, not taking nothing against Jocelyn because she's done amazing things and yeah. up to Jocelyn, you know. But at that time, knowing Stevie, yeah. I'm just like, man, he, you're just Steve. You know what I'm saying? So he's messing with Jocelyn. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, he just had the baby by Mimi. I remember going to pick him up. Mm -hmm. Like, him and Mimi had some problems, so I had to go get him. Mm. You know, she had kicked him out the house. Yeah. And I got, he has all, he's, all his shit packed up, his guitars packed up, and we putting the shit in the Beamer. Yeah. The crazy thing about that trip, I went and got him the first time I probably went to, it was either Lawrenceville or Latonia, some yeah. fucking far place. I just, I've been to Atlanta a couple of times, but it was like one day, two day stops on the tour. Yeah. But I've never like chilled in Atlanta, exactly. you know what I'm saying? So I just remember it was way the fuck out somewhere, and I went and got him, we packed this shit, because I had rented it. It wasn't even Airbnb. People just started renting out their places. It was no Airbnb. Yeah. It was about eight years ago, maybe. So um, um, I remember uh, I had already had a spot over by Ponce. I said, yo, you come stay with me, you know what I'm saying? And um, I had the house, the home studio, so we was doing a lot of shit at the house. And then, um, uh, yeah, he told me, he's like, yo, man, Mimi's doing this thing called Loving Hip Hop Atlanta. And I, he was like, yo, um, I'm gonna bring Johnson on the show, but wait a minute, ain't you trying to get back with Mimi? This is this is real life. <laughs> oh, he was like, yeah, but I was like, what do you mean, yeah, but I was like, so so she's gonna find out about Johnson on TV. Mm. He was like, don't worry about it, I got this. <laughs> trust me, just trust me. You know, again, the first thing I, man, I, right, yeah. we're gonna talk about something else, cause you just, that's Stevie though, but you yeah. know what I'm saying? He's a genius, but there's, you know, every genius is nuts, I'll you know what I'm saying? Change, yeah. So, he, he, I remember him doing it, and I remember them finding out about each other, and all hell broke loose in real life. <laughs> my God, my God. Now, I gotta rewind for a second, though, too, Benzino. When y'all left the source, what yeah, was that like? It, it was a corporate takeover. At that point, Dave had invested um, early in the 90s, $12 million. We had took out a loan for $12 million, yeah. and he tried to launch Source.com with some other people. I didn't want no parts of it because I didn't understand it, but I yeah. still trusted him, so I, I didn't go to the meetings. Yeah. Computers, I, what the fuck are y'all talking about? I, I don't know, <laughs> nothing about this. I, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Whatever I didn't understand, I let him deal. Whatever he didn't understand, he let me deal. That was yeah. our relationship. The stuff we understood together, we'd be there together. Yeah. So they took out a loan, Dave took out a loan for $12 million. Um, his dad helped him get the loan. Yeah. And yeah, and uh, at an 18% fine finance rate. So, you know, but he's thinking, look, man, we're getting ready to take over the world. We're gonna be the first to do this because there was nobody. Computers was looked like they were big ass boxes. At Damn. That point, you know what I'm and they wasn't even showing color shit. Like it was. I recall. Maybe it was, I don't fucking remember. I just remember he opened up a brand new office on Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue. You know the fucking rent for Fifth Avenue, and had like 40 desk with these boxes on it. I went up and they showed me. <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck this shit was. Yeah. I just, you know what I'm saying, went, introduced myself to the people working, and that was it. I never went up there again. And I just remember the whole thing crashed. And uh, we, you know, we owed the bank 30 million. And we had to pay the bank 700,000 a month at that, at that point, or else we would lose the magazine. So we would have to sell a piece of our thing. I remember Bob Johnson at that time had just sold BET. He flew us out to his office. It was right before he was leaving DC. He just sold BET for three hundred, for three billion, I think. Yeah. Fucking crazy number. <laughs> so 
he wanted to buy the sauce. Mm. I remember having a, you know, he was fly, we were in his office. Yeah. He says, look, I'm going to write what I want on a piece of paper and I'm going to walk out the room. I'm not going to negotiate with you when I come back. This is, is going to be the offer and that's going to be it. Yeah. So he walked out the room and we opened a little piece of paper, said 55 million. So me and Dave's trying to do the math. So we got to get the bank 30. Taxes are going to take half. We got to pay all these bills that we owe. We'll probably walk away with three and a half million, four million apiece. Uh, and we felt like, you know, he wants to walk away. If he would have kept the song, we would have took it. Yeah. Because we realized the source would have, you know. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, sell it to me and y'all got to walk. See you later in the sunset. We couldn't do it. Damn! Turned down 55 million from Bob Johnson. We wanted 80. The asking price was 80 because at yeah. least we walk away 10, 15 million. Exactly, you strong! Know? But, you know, he did his math and he didn't believe it was worth that. Damn. But the thing was, it probably wouldn't have been worth that if me and Dave wasn't a part of it. Yeah. Now, here comes Black Enterprise. They We sell them a piece so we can pay this some, some of this note. And they ended up taking over the whole thing. Dave didn't understand it, that they had more people on the board that voted us out. We got kicked out. So for Dave, it was horrible. For me, it was, man, I go back to the streets. You know <laughs> yeah, but... I felt bad for Dave. I really didn't yeah. feel bad for me. I really didn't, you know. But it's of course, so, it took his baby. I came, but I came up with Hip Hop Weekly. Yeah, I, and yeah. Uh, we went down to Miami. We ran the office. We kind of it was ironic that the same thing that we invested in crashed because nobody had computers and nobody understood the computer. So we were just ahead of our time. It's not yeah. like Dave was wrong. Exactly. He just was maybe like five, ten years ahead of his time because a crazy. lot of dot coms crashed. All, it was the the bubble and the burst, the and I recall that. But then to think about y'all being so far ahead in the thing, too far ahead. That's the equivalent of almost being a Google or a damn Yahoo for hip hop. We would have been, honestly, man. You hit it on the head, and that's what Dave was. And it just, you know, a lot of times people don't understand timing is everything. You know, God, it's timing. Yeah. So, um. You know, we packed up everything, moved to New York. I, at that point, I knew that, you know, the, the Internet was really taking over a lot of these kids' attention. So I'm like, look, let, let's do a hit. You know, I, I started reading them. Every time I was on a plane, I would read The Enquirer, mm -hmm. Us Weekly, and all these magazines. Yeah. I'm like, man, hip-hop needs one. We got major stars. Thanks. So there's no long reading. The, the features are smaller. The articles are smaller. Yeah. So I said, let's do one of these, man. But this time, we're going to base it around controversy. We need to yeah. get this fucking money, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you know, shit's fucked up. And, and it worked. It paid the bills. Yeah. We did that for a while. And the way we did it was crazy because people don't even understand. Putting out a weekly magazine it's to get it to easy. the printer, it's, it is almost impossible if you don't have. We had a staff of like eight, nine, ten around the country. And we was up to, because we would have to meet a deadline so that the magazines could get on the actual fucking vehicles to get you know what I'm saying I yeah. mean, it was old school the printers and everything them shits are wiped out now magazines are basically almost but yeah. you know, um, it, we, we came out every two weeks Yeah, we still could call it hip hop weekly yeah, exactly and it paid the bills yeah. you know what I'm saying but it was nothing like the source mm. kept us relevant for another seven eight years and uh, you know that was it. Then Dave went on his way in life, and yeah. you know I went on my. We had been together twenty five long years together every day. Hey, I was with him when I had no kids. I have four now. Dave is actually the godfather of my yeah. daughter Coy. Oh, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. And um, um, you know, um, hell of a journey. Yeah. That that me and Dave went through, but you know, uh, we don't speak too much now. I would hope one day we get back together and. 
Y'all got to do that because it's a certain uh, synergy that two people have when they create that kind of stuff, man, that you just can't, you can't never forget that kind of thing. I mean, thing, you know, man. people don't know I got indicted by the feds. I was looking at Rico and, you know, they thought I was uh, funneling money through the source. I went through a hell of an investigation. I was two, three years of my life. They ended up indicting me for taxes. I, I'm one of the very few that ended up beating a federal tax indictment. Um, 14, I went to trial on it. 14, 12, including two alternatives, and they found me not guilty. My the, God. The, the, our, our accountant wore a wire for eight months up at the source. The guy that we're paying 150000 to, this half Italian, half Jewish guy, and George Moore, and he came and the feds approached him on, on, at the Dunkin' Donuts, George Washington Bridge, and George, I, he, I, I barely knew him. When I'm up there, you know, the, the source is separated from the business to the uh, journalistic. And, yeah. You know, Dave is over there business, and George comes in. With, you know, he's not like everybody else can come in the way they want. We hip hop. Yeah. George comes in with a. And I noticed he, for a minute he started wearing a, a, a clip-on tag with it. That was the wire. Yeah. And his thing was they was trying to get him to say that I didn't want to do my taxes, but every time he would, hey Ray, we gotta do your taxes. Look, talk to Dave about that. Number one and number two, I don't know nothing about taxes. Yeah. That's why we're hiring you. Is that it? would be my answer. Come so on. He was trying to trap me up, and, and I had a good lawyer, and they seen that. And you know that you know took up probably the last of my money. You know, my we, God. You know, we lost everything. You know, we went from being millionaires to that was it. You know. Okay, Benzino. When you talk about going from millionaires to you know going crazy, what was that experience like? Because I mean, the rise is off the chain, but the decline. Well, again, to me, I never looked at myself as a millionaire. I okay. never looked at. I just I had a, anything I wanted. I could help give people anything I want, I could help people, and I was going, I was doing anything I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I never took time to, to understand about saving anything. I never took time about investing anything. I never took time to, you know, man, look at all that I'm accomplishing and all this money. I never, I just never did. Mm -hmm. I never looked at myself as a millionaire. I always still looked at myself as somebody from the hood, and there's still a bunch of motherfuckers from the hood that ain't doing well. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't have, my mind wasn't right. Your mental health, that's why I was about to go with that. Yeah, I mean, my mind wasn't right. How the hell did you get it back right? Um, and how long it, did it I never, take? I mean, I mean, it's not like my mind wasn't right in that sense. My mind wasn't right because I didn't understand the value of money. Mm. You know, if I had learned, you know, I was, and, and, and you know, um, my thing was listen. You're hustling the streets, you make money. If shit happens, you got to get back out there and make money again. So I never looked to save anything because I was always had the ability to go make money. Mm. Anytime I'd be on zero, I can go get it again. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? The thought of saving, I never had it in my whole forever of my life, I never, I don't even think I had a savings account. Mm. It was always checking. And yeah. Dave handled all the monies. I never questioned him, yeah. but I had anything I wanted. American Expresses and cash and, yeah. I mean, millions of dollars worth of jewelry and every yeah. fucking car you can imagine. And you know what I'm saying? But I also <laughs> bought all my guys' cars, houses, mm. gave them opportunity, hired them. So it just wasn't about me. Yeah. And, you know, when it fell, it fell hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we had a, and then I got indicted by the feds. Everything happened at one time. We was being sued. And it was just, yeah, everything happened at one time. And it was like the rise and the fall like this. But like I said, I felt bad for Dave. I, yeah. I genuinely did. Because I knew I was going to get a lot of the blame for this shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
because any uh, anything great that I did, I never got credit anyways. It always went to the white <laughs> Jewish guy, my partner. But I didn't care because he's my partner. Exactly. So I don't care as long as, you, as long as you recognize it, I'm cool with that. Yeah. But I realize now that I should have been taking some credit because, you know, later on in life, that credit is, is what's going to help you along in life. Yeah. So, you know, but you live and you learn, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, like I said, I could be dead or in jail. I, my health could be fucked up. Yeah. There's nothing worse than those three things. Come on. You know what I'm saying? I can get it out here. So when it happened to me, shit, like when we lost everything, I'm still in Miami. Mm. Running around like a wild man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, the Spanish mommies are loving me and shit. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not looking at it like shit. I, everybody in New York understood it, but shit, the mommies down in Miami didn't give a fuck. The niggas from the hood didn't give a fuck, so I'm, I'm cool. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Shit. So you still rock the party then? That's what you're telling me, man. At one point, we had the biggest magazine. I had a major fucking. Um, album out. I had yeah. produced on Nas and Stillmatic. I have that um, that intro. I did that. Like every part of my life was just successful. I was yeah. happy. All the things that I've ever wanted to do, I did, and it just all came to a, 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 a halt. The indictment hit, hit us back, so I had to pay a lot of money for lawyers. But Dave stuck by me, man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And you know, I, everybody knew I was going to jail for the tax thing. Yeah. You know, they was investigating me to the point where. We come downstairs in New York, and they'd be sitting right there, and they'd follow me around, and just like the movies, I'm like, "Come on, cocksuckers!" And we, you know, what I'm saying, I mean, yeah. it, it was bad. They interviewed over 160 people. They spent a couple of million dollars on trying to indict me on extortion, a couple of bodies in Boston, uh, 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 money laundering. It was really bad. But back then, they didn't know how much money was bringing in legally. Yeah, they just couldn't fathom it. Come on, they didn't understand it. A lot of those feds were white guys. They didn't yeah. fucking. You know, middle-aged to older white guys, they didn't know what the fuck this was. Imagine that. People would think that they're up on so much shit, but they're, you know, now it's so easy for them. They just watching Instagram and Facebook. They don't even got to do a lot of work. Come on. So, I mean, you know, like I said, it was a hell of a journey. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm just glad to be here and even talk about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Working with Prodigy, man. I worked with everybody, but rest in peace. Working with P, he was one of my favorite MCs. I worked with them that whole that whole group early in 94 yeah. when it was RSO. My you know God. what I'm saying? We did that Wars On, which I was signed to Rapala at that time. Yeah. And um, it, it, it got featured in the movie um, Original Gangster. Mm. So working with them was dope. Uh, my father actually got to be in the video. <laughs> That's crazy. That was dope. So people go and check on Wars On. Mm. You can see what my father looked like. Um, but that was dope. You know, I got to work with, man, Michael Jackson. Got to spend a couple, about a month and a half with Michael Jackson. What would you do in a month and a half with MJ? So, got signed to Motown. Yeah. As a solo artist, another, that was crazy. Yeah. Kadar Massenberg, um, big it's up to uh, Kadar. And, um, you know, he wanted Teddy to work on a couple of songs for me. So, yeah. gave Teddy a bunch of money. I went down to Virginia, stayed down there for about a, see, whenever I work with a producer, I'm going down there to live with them. That's right. I want to get the whole experience. Mm-hmm. So at that time, Mike was with him. He had flew in. He had just had his kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he flew in. He brought his kids. And yeah, man, I, I was with Mike for like good two. The three chain I had on, he he took for like two weeks. <laughs> had my three chain because it looked like the glove and shit. Yeah. Um. You know, I was. I mean, words couldn't express. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to be real easy. I didn't want to, again, how I was in front of my mother. Yeah. I'm trying to be like that. <laughs> yeah. my, you know what I'm yeah. saying? You know what I mean? Because Teddy was a really low-key guy. You know, mm. People don't understand he came from the street. Don't get it yeah. twisted. Teddy been around a lot. Teddy been around a lot, seen a lot. Mm. But at this point in his life, he's really low-key. And I think Mike was so much of an influence that you could see it in Teddy. 
Yeah. Just a really peaceful guy, mm -hmm. family, and music. Your daughter now doing her thing. What is that like to see Koi blowing up in these streets? And did you say, uh, until you give me a rock to party, you can't say nothing? Oh, no, man. I was, just, <laughs> I was just, I was just being, I was just, you know, people, it's, it's, it's <laughs> fucked up because everything you say, people take the worst and, and make it worse. But yeah. I was just playing around when I said that. Yeah. And, but I was sending a message to her fans that look I've been doing this I've been too doing now this. you know what I'm saying Come yeah on. like listen a lot of, you know I'm not I, I don't want it's it's amazing that come on it's amazing that she's doing that. Yeah. Like I'm like that's my baby girl. I have three boys and one girl. Mm. You know, me and her mom broke up when she was nine. Yeah. She, you know, she, she, we was in mansions when I got when I fell. Yeah, we went from a mansion, but I still was living on a beach in Miami. Oh, doing so good. So I still because I'm a hustler, I'm not gonna go backwards. Exactly. So you know, and, and if I am, you know, what I'm saying when you come visit me, you ain't gonna know it. Come on. So so so. I'd have her every Christmas. I have my kids every summer. I'd have my kids every spring vacation. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing everything still. Yeah. I'm getting all their clothes. I'm getting their computers. I'm getting whatever they want for their birthdays. It still has to come from me. Mm -hmm. I'm still the breadwinner. So I just didn't understand it when she said that I let her down in the song. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it hurt me, man. Yeah. Because I didn't see it coming. Maybe if I understood that, I mean, I understand we, 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 we go through our things with our kids, but I didn't know I let her down yeah. because that made me feel bad. Yeah. Like, damn, like, I, I didn't know that. I, I wish you would have told me that because whatever you wanted at that time, I would have gotten. I know money. People be like, well, money don't, but it just wasn't money. Yeah. It was my time. I was there. We was yeah. together. Now, granted, I'm a street nigga. People would understand. When you're a street guy, you can't be uh, huxtable. <laughs> it, it's impossible. You can't look at movies and TV and judge what a father's supposed to be based on these motherfuckers because I didn't real. grow up like them motherfuckers. But I yep. still know the principles of my kids. Look, when Coy came down here, she went to Cobb. What's the fucking high school in Cobb? South Cobb. Now, uh, give me another uh, name. North Marietta High School. There was another one with a Wheeler. name. The girl, the lady who did Pretty Woman, the movie, the big movie star went there. I forgot her mm, name. Pebblebrook. Not Pebblebrook. Man, I forgot the fuck. Okay. Well, anyway, she went there. And my yeah. things was, yeah, you got to come home. Ain't going to be no weed smoking. Yeah. Ain't going to be none of that shit. Yeah. When, when, when she lived with me in Miami, it was the same thing. Mm. But it was like I was a real, I only knew those type of stuff from my father and my mother. Like, I'm just trying to be the father that I know how to be. Yeah. You know, you got to do your homework. You got to, uh, that. I'm yeah. not going to be, you know, it ain't like I'm your friend, but I'm I'm looking at great. I want you to go to college. And yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that. No way that I think that I want her in hip-hop because I knew what hip-hop was. And when we was doing music, it was good stuff. Mm -hmm. Rap about good stuff. Yeah. Now, once she started rapping about this type of stuff, it's not like I didn't want to support her. Maybe she thought that. Yeah. Because my son got signed at nine years old, and then when he growing up, he's rapping. So maybe she thought that I was supporting him more, but it's just that I didn't know how to do it. Mm. I, because I can't... The songs that you're saying about the private parts and drugs... Yeah. And, it's like, how can I support that? Yeah. I'm your damn daddy. I'm you. Yeah. You know, the way she dressing on, how do you want me to, so I'm caught between a rock and a Ooh. fucking hard place, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I didn't get the, the fucking book. Yeah. On how to do a daughter, how to raise a, and, and how to figure it out from an old school type of mentality to what's acceptable uh. now. 
Because all that shit's acceptable now. Yeah. You can smoke weed. You don't have to do your homework. You do whatever the fuck you want to do. And you know what I'm saying? And good luck. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like that with me. So maybe she, she looked at that, 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 but me being hard on her, maybe she took that a certain way. But, you know, it, I get to talk about it on these. I would love to talk about it more with her. But, it, you know, this industry and the internet has, has, has made it hard for us to communicate. And, Usually she sees something like this and it gets mad at me and you know, because I'm just speaking my truth. Yeah. I love her to death. It's not like she can't call me dad, I need you. I'm yeah. I don't give a fuck what happened. Yes, sir. You're right, and I'm gonna handle it. Don't worry about it. But it's you know, of course I would love our relationships to be better. Yeah. Us to be doing songs together. Me. Yeah. She doesn't I don't get to see her perform and it it, it hurts, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she grew up in a studio. Yeah. She everybody that's been around me knows. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? No matter what, my kids are with me. Yeah. Now she's coming visiting me and there's a different woman all the time. And I, I know she's watching me on TV with a woman. I know that that plays a part, man. Yeah. But you know, mm. you know, it still doesn't take away what I stand for. Yeah. And man, you know, my, 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 uh, my, my woman side of me hasn't been the greatest meaning you know, people look at me. You know, I'm 56, I haven't been married. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Probably look at, I have three baby mothers. You could look at that like failed relationships and listen, man, this is what the hood produces, man. Yeah. You know, this is what, it's not good, but this is what it is. You know, people don't understand when you're having children, nobody's really ready to have a kid. Yeah. So when the, so. And I don't care how old you are, I always tell folks Only that. because you're in the hood and we're not yeah. stable enough. Yeah. When you want to bring a kid in the world, you want to have things stable, a yeah. house, and, you know, but we're, we're doing it out of lust and love, yeah. thinking that that's enough and it really come later on, you sit in the fucking courtroom like, God damn, I thought we loved each other. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, man, I like you. for child support and this, it's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. But, you know, I don't point no finger. I, I, I look in the mirror. Yeah. I'm responsible for anything that is against me or that is deemed fucked up when it comes to me. Yeah. I look in the mirror and I'm responsible, so I don't blame nobody. But, you know, I just wish, I'm, I'm very proud of her. I just hope that, you know, people get to see the love between us instead of the controversy. I feel that, I feel that. Because believe it or not, it was there way before this shit started happening. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. that was that was my baby and I was her hero and that was, I was her, you know what I'm saying? I understand she might, I wasn't with her mom, but she didn't show it. Yeah. It was always love between us. And you know, so the industry has a funny way of, you know, of, 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 of dealing with life. So I'm just dealing with it right now and who knows. Now, on another personal note, though, Benzino, at your mama's funeral, getting shot. Man, again, something else I didn't see coming. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm my father and mother's only son, but I grew up with my two sisters that my, my, my mother had between uh, another man. Yeah. I didn't know too much about this man. My sisters grew up. You know, he, I knew that he was a black man from, I have his last name, Scott. My name is Raymond mm. Scott. Yeah. And my father's last name is De Jesus, De Jesus, but he's never married my mother. All I know about this man is from what my father told me, that he was abusive and he used to beat my mother, you know. 
Um, me and my sister always had a great relationship. They were like my older brothers. I looked up to them. One of them went to Tuskegee and graduated with honors with a master's. The other one is a doctor. Yeah. And you know, I'm the I'm the street kid. Mm -hmm. So my mother would, you know, but my father kind of raised them. But I never knew if there was any animosity. At least they didn't show it. Yeah. But come to find out that you know, the guy ended up getting killed, pushed mm. out of a window at a gambling game. Damn. At a gambling shit. Ended up, you know. So, I don't know if that was being held against me and my dad. I don't know what the fuck it was. But, you know, my mom was staying with my. I bought my mom a house. Yeah. And my sister, my older sister, you know, had a son, and this he looked up to me. He's my first nephew. And again, whatever he wanted, I, I made sure he was straight and he was a DJ and he kind of took up after me. Yeah. But something happened where there was some credit being taken. My mother started getting dementia in, in, in an older age. She was older. And some loans were taken out on the house and some, 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 some funny shit was happening. Mm. And I think, you know, at that point, you know, I'm doing Love and Hip Hop, actually shooting while this was going on. But, I, you know, I found out that my nephew had done some, you know, some, some weird shit. And, uh, you know, I was upset about it, but I still didn't, you know, approach him on it. He knew I knew about it. Yeah. My father had told me what happened. And, uh, I, and he knew he knew how I got down. So I'm thinking that he probably thought that I was going to make a move on him. Mm. And he made the move first. But, yeah. I, again, I didn't see it coming, you know. Um, I had decided to see my mother... Because again, this is my sister and everything really have, uh, they have word over me over it. There's a word, but they have custody, you know. Yeah. Oh, attorney. Party, yeah. Because at that point, she, her mind had been gone. The last time I seen her was when I drove up on the house. She was sitting in the front yard, and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't coming around. I tried to see her away from my sister and them because I didn't want to go around them. Yeah. Whatever y'all did was fucked up, and I can't believe y'all are doing it. You know, my mother was like my best friend, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So. I just seen her sitting, and I went, uh, she's sitting on the front yard, man. And, you know, she didn't, um, she, at that mind, she couldn't remember anything. Yeah. So, she had, uh, she was just sitting by herself, man, and, um, so, it was like, this is the first time I'm talking about this, but it was like, she, she said, Raymond, is that you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she started smiling. Mm. And then she hugged me, you know what I'm saying? I didn't want to start crying, but I started crying, man, because I didn't want her to think that anything was wrong. And she's like, Raymond, she just kept saying. She said, oh, Raymond, Raymond. She, she wasn't yeah. talking about too much, but she, you know, so. I, I didn't want Maureen and them to come down and see me with her because, you know, that would fuck up the moment. Yeah. Because I know how my anger is. Mm. And as long as I kept myself away from them, then I felt like I couldn't do nothing. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, bring a situation. Because what happened, happened. Yeah. And I know what money does to people. Mind you, I'm giving them thousands of dollars from what I'm doing from the source. I was sharing it. Of course I'm doing it for them. Yeah. I looked up to them. So I hugged her and I left. And then a couple of months later, they told me she died in her sleep. And I just, there was just so many things, man. And so uh, I decided I wanted to see her at the wake alone an hour earlier mm -hmm. with nobody. I didn't want to. And I did a closed casket because I don't think I could have took seeing her like that. Yeah. I, I asked him to close the casket. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because 
I seen so many dead bodies, and sometimes they look good, sometimes they don't. Yeah. I didn't even want to do that wake shit no more. We yeah. see people like that. It was I very hard for me, you know. So, um, the next day, uh, I was at the hotel, and um, Stevie had popped up. Yeah. I was like, yo, I'm out in it was Cape Cod, an hour away. I'm out here in Cape Cod, man. I come to. I wasn't even gonna go to the funeral, mm. you know, because I didn't want. You know what I'm saying? I, I'd made yeah. my peace with her at the wake, and then uh, he's like, yo, you gotta come get me. Yeah. Because he didn't know where he was at. So I said, I'm gonna come get you. And uh, when I left, I noticed the funeral procession, and then that's when everything got happened. You know, when 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 the shit happened, you know, again. It was major because it was on a major highway, Route 3, that goes straight to the Cape. There are mm. hundreds of thousands of cars daily passing that, you know, broad daylight. Yeah. So uh, just remember there was a man with a gun, you know. I went to the grand jury. I, I don't know who shot me. Yeah. You know, but by that time, the whole news and everything, but I still don't, you know. Yeah. I don't know who shot me. Yeah. Cause I don't get down like that. Exactly. Period. All right. Um, I just remember I was, you know, pop, 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 then smashed the windows. I remember getting hit, hit, getting hit in the back. I shot three times and one skint me like in the neck. And um, I'm trying to, I maneuver, I did a maneuver with the car, did a donut, swung yeah. around. I'm coming down, coming down the highway. And I noticed the actual limousine with my mother in it. So I pulled over, I'm shot, blood coming out like crazy. So I'm getting dizzy. I go to open up the limousine door where they got the casket. And I just remember a finger just locking the door. It wasn't even the automatic, it was still the locks. You know those old yeah. things with the hearse? Locked the door on me. So then I'm like, oh shit. Because I'm trying to get, you know, they still shoot. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. So I just remember jumping in my cousin's car and they're screaming, going crazy. It was two, it was my aunt Geneva's daughter and another cousin. And I'm just like, you gotta get out of here drive over the medium and get me to a hospital, the medium, you know, yeah. big in between. I'm lucky there was no woods there. So they're screaming, they drove over the medium. And then by that point, we get off at the first exit, police pulled me, it was a police pulled me over. And you know, I got a name up in Boston. So they thinking, uh, you know, so they're checking me for guns because the person that said they shot me said I was the one with, with the gun. Mm. Now I didn't have a gun on me. Yeah. So they stripped me butt naked, it's raining. I got bullet holes in me, I'm butt ass naked in the middle of the, of the, of the street. And you know, they called the fire, the fire department came and got me first. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There was a policeman there the whole time. So while, while they're trying to put the air oxygen, he's doing tests on my finger. Because you know, the Boston police had wanted me for a long time. Yeah. They knew about my father, they knew I had been beating these cases. Mm. And you know, they, they actually put me in an article that kind of compared me to Whitey Bulger. Because mm. I was, you know, I was going through all these cra this crazy shit up there, and I'd be hitting the newspaper all the time, and um, you know they felt like they finally had me, but I had no gun. There was no good yeah. residue. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And yeah, that was that, and it just so happened that I was shooting Love and Hip Hop. So I remember I was in the hospital. I know everybody in Boston, so I knew the lady. You know, moaning them want to bring the cameras up there. Mm. The hospital was like, nah, but I pulled a little strings. Yeah, knew somebody who knew somebody. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And this was actually one of the guys in the mob who's. I think niece worked there mm. that, that hooked it up to where the cameras could come up there. My God. They filmed me and shit, yeah. And it was, you know, it was on it was on the news, but the fact that I was filming Love and Hip Hop is what made it more of an impact. You know, a yeah. lot of people were really praying for me. 
you know, my mother died and everything, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, I was grateful for that because that kind of got me through that time that people actually gave a fuck about me. Exactly. You know yeah. Okay, so when's the book coming out again? You know? <laughs> man, be high, I don't know, man. I know <laughs> with me is like I said, everything has to be has to be timing. Yeah. Eventually I have to find time to write it. Um and it has to be I gotta be able to write it with somebody that can really you just can't write it with anybody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I know it's the the thing is this is a long ass book. <laughs> you, know what I'm you know what I'm saying? It's a long story, so I can't leave out any, you know, these years without telling, you know, I got to yeah. go from way back, and I got to go from, you know, when I first came to right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's a lot of, most books are a certain amount of pages. This might be a, a part one and part two. You know? <laughs> I feel that. But it's a lot, man, you know. Lastly, Benzino, mm -hmm. what do you want to tell your fans, and is there anything else that we need to know, man? Man, I just want, um, I'm opening up Benzino's Crab Trap and Chandler. Okay, then. I'm just waiting for the liquor license. Okay. I have some great partners. I'm here for Shout that. out to Sack. Shout out to shoot Two Chefs in the Pan. Yeah. So we're going to, uh, it's going to be in a really gr great seafood restaurant. Okay. 3,500 square feet. We have a Woo. DJ live band. We got a big bar up there. So we're just waiting for our permit. It's about another month, month and a half. Okay. And man, it's going to be a good summer. And man, you know, I'm just, like I say, I just, um, working on some TV stuff and, yeah. you know, working on different things, man. And, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I take it as it comes, Beehive. You know what I mean? I wish I could tell you, you know, what's in store for me, but anything that ever happened, it wasn't nothing so much. It just happened. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I just I just stay I just stay uh, relevant, stay healthy, and man, you know, and stay with God. Exactly. And, and doors doors open up. Benzino. Beehive. Thank you so much great for your interview, time, man. man. You're a great interview. Thank I want you to know that. And I want to shout out to my man Memphis Cuts Bo. Uh, one of the best barbers in town, man. Just, just, just check him out. He's up there in Chambly too. He's at his barber shop, Positive Image Barber Shop here. Okay. It's in Chambly also. So y'all check him out, man. Real, 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 real solid guy, and his haircuts are amazing. Awesome. Beehive Radio, shout it, Benzino. Holla, y'all in a minute, man. We gone. Love.